Recorded in the darkest dungeons of the basement of Death Studio, Josh, Troy, and Ty present a show dedicated to bringing you, the listener, into the adventure right along with them. Pick up your sword or load your bolt gun, but don't forget your helmet, because it is time for some playing and slaying. So before we do our usual intro, I thought it might be important to let you all, the listener, know uh, a little bit about the gamer that is behind the microphone. So Josh, in uh, classic fashion, let's let's kick it your way. Tell us about yourself. I am Josh the Truebeard. Uh, I like deck building games, miniature war games. Long walks on the beach and word search puzzles. <laughs> uh, my humble gaming beginnings began began uh, when I was a young boy with uh, Monopoly. My my grandma liked to play Monopoly and my mom liked to play Monopoly. So yeah, that kind of where it, it, you know just gaming in general sort of started there. Uh, fast forward to middle school and high school with Magic the Gathering, D and D. 40k and various other board games um it, and it kind of just spiraled from there so yeah that's kind of my uh humble beginnings i guess troy how about you uh so i am troy weiss the bodfather so that comes from <laughs> the fact that i kind of uh, pulled together this ragged group of of gamers uh we all had been gaming for whatever but through uh kind of interesting circumstances we all came together and found kind of some common goals and um and basically all got together in the bod which is the basement of death which is my basement um which ended up being our main gaming spot until some of the other places like bod east which is ty's basement or the bod brew house which is josh's basement were constructed um, and I've been, I'm kind of the, I don't know, what's the word? Mature? More mature? I've the, been the elder statesman. The elder statesman. That's the way to do it. So I've the been, old guy. The old guy. <laughs> that's the other way. Nice way to say it, right? So I've been gaming for the whatever, 30 plus years. Um, I'm getting close to half a century on the, on the planet. Um, so I started out um, like everyone else did, maybe D&D, back in the original blue red box stuff. Um, some of the old school stuff like Car Wars, Starfleet Battles that you only see with, uh, you know, in some of these old Grognar games, stuff like that. Uh, and I've been around in 40K since 1987, since the day it was first advertised on Dragon Magazine. So something like that. Um, and I've also been to 30 plus Gen Cons over the years, um, since way back when, when it was back in uh, Parkside in, uh, in in Wisconsin here. So uh so that's kind of me. I'm kind of the, yeah, the the old guy in the group uh bringing the experience to to it hopefully. So, Ty? Yeah, um 
Man, I'm I'm Ty. Some may call me the golden voice. Some call me the uh, power gamer of the group. I don't know if I agree with that nomenclature, <laughs> but um, I uh, I definitely have been gaming most of my life. Um, started as a small child, you know, family board games, which quickly became Risk, uh, where my dad taught my brother and I at an early age that there's no crying in board games, and would beat us like just destroy us in that game. Um, moved into Advanced Dungeons and Dragons Second Edition. That's where I got in when I was probably ten or eleven years old. I saw the player's handbook, thought it looked cool. Read it, started running campaigns for my my dad and my eight, seven or eight year old brother at the time. Um, and then moved into Epic, into Warhammer Fantasy, and the 40k, and all of the rest of the hobby gaming. Now my my game collection spans over hundreds of games and. Um, a miniature collection over several different games and thousands of uh, models litter my basement. But um, and the the whole podcasting thing is just a, another great way to build community because that's a, a big thing that I'm really interested in is getting more people in the gaming and, and finding a you know expanding our group. We've really since 2010 we've had our our niche uh, basement of death group and started expanding into running events and facilitating other experiences for people at conventions. And I think the podcast is a is a great way to continue to build that community, establish some connections and and really just share what is a um you know a, a central part of my my life is is gaming and and the hobbies that I have with uh, with another community. from the BOD studio it's playing and slaying on tonight's show we're going to talk about what we've been playing what we've been buying and what we've been hobbying although purchasing can be hobbying we've already <laughs> established that um we do our mega adepticon review mega uh, you will never hear an Adepticon review quite like we do it here in the basement of Death Studio. It speaking is of massive. Speaking of, somebody still got a little cr- con crud. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I brought home some of Popper Nurgle's little friends from uh, from the the Adepticon floor. Um, but you know, it is what it is. Had a great time. So we'll talk all about Adepticon tonight. Um, we will do our usual play it or slay it segment, reviewing something exciting or maybe not so exciting mm-hmm. from Adepticon. But that'll be <laughs> you know up for you to decide. Um and also one last reminder, well we'll probably continue to do this several episodes, but find us on our new feed um on iTunes, Playin' and Slayin'. Uh you can follow us on Twitter at Playin' Slayin' Show. That's P L A Y N S L A Y N Show. S H O W at Playin' and Slayin' on Facebook. Um, through the basement of death.com and anywhere else you get your podcast. I <laughs> yep. mean, Stitcher, Stitcher, Google Play, mm-hmm. we're everywhere. We're, we're trying to become kind of a big deal. We're coming at you live, hard and fast. Um, and also, one thing that we will be talking about right now this is big news the Plan and Slan Show contest. We happen to have a sealed. First edition, frontline, no comrades, card game from Anvil 8 Games. And it's burning a hole in our game closet. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so we will be doing a contest on Twitter and Facebook. On Twitter, you must follow at Plan Slan Show and retweet the contest that we'll be uh, sending out there uh, shortly after release of the episode. So if you're listening, go find us on Twitter, follow at Plan Slan Show and retweet the contest message, or look on our Facebook and like the contest giveaway uh, post. We then, um, after the end of April, so before our May release, we will tabulate all of the results and see all of the contest entries. Tabulate, technical term? Uh, You know, $10 word. (laughs) Um, And uh, then we'll announce it on our May episode of the show, who the big winner is. Um, and, and get them a brand spanking new copy of Frontline No Comrades from Anvil 8 Games. So, gentlemen, as always, when you're playing and slaying, it's important to stay hydrated. So, Josh, what what's in the glass tonight? Uh, I'm drinking a little uh, Templeton Rye six-year because mm. it's just a little bit better than the four-year. Mm. Um, two years better. It's two years better. It's also mm, a few dollars more than the <laughs> four-year. I bet it is, but How it's delicious. It, it, it's a little bit better. It really, it's it's truly worth it. So, and Templeton is a really cool uh, small craft distillery in Templeton, Iowa. They're good. They're they're delicious. Um, and I'm a big fan. Troy, what's uh, what's on ice for you tonight? Um, I have an alternate version of the house cocktail. What? Yes. Yeah, so the, the Ben Weiss version. The Ben Weiss version. Yes. Yeah, so some for some reason Van Gogh is not available in Texas. That may be totally untrue, but according to Ben, that's what happens. <laughs> um, so you replace the acai blueberry Van Gogh with absolute. What was it? Berry acai. Yeah. Vodka. So it's very similar. Very but. similar, except it's not purple. Mm-hmm. I think it's purple. At least I don't know. I'm colorblind. So I, people tell me it's purple. I believe it's purple. I know that this stuff, this absolute stuff, is not any color. It looks clear to me. Um, hmm. But it tastes all right. It, it's not as good as the original, but it, it definitely works. Interesting. Yeah. I, uh, you know, I'm tempted to try another one of those uh, here shortly, but we'll see. Oh, it sounds delicious Ooh. even. You hear the ice? It's nice. <laughs> Um, and Tyson, what are you drinking? Yeah, so tonight I, uh, I'm i dedicating this one to Will Conway from Anvil 8 Games um, for his Zevia hatred. Uh, <laughs> but I have mixed Captain Morgan rum with a Zevia cola. He does hate um, Zevia. It, it's unfounded. It really is unfounded. Uh, there are so many health benefits to Zevia. It's, it's insane. But uh, yeah, so I'm mixing my Captain Morgan with uh, Zevia cola tonight. Um as I try to fight off whatever Nurgle has bestowed upon me. <laughs> that actually sounds really good. It It's delicious. Um, I'll have more. Uh, so, as we drink, we also play. Um, now, a lot of tonight's episode is going to focus on what we played and what we saw and did at Adepticon, but leading up to the con, we definitely were doing some gaming. Um, I think... Troy, you've you've uh, started up your legacy campaign with the uh, the work gaming group. Is that correct? Yep. So in between time stories and the new time stories expansion story came out as we were doing this. I think it came out end of mid March, end of March. So we're going to hit that up soon. But in between those, we've actually started a pandemic legacy game. Um, and so far, we played January and February. Um, we've won both. Um, and again, again 
Pandemic Legacy came out what end of 2015, I think, something like that. Yeah. Um, but amazing. I mean, it really, it's been a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. Look um, out! You won two in a row. Yeah, we won two. We're going to get the our third, ass kicked. The yeah. third month when you're out of funding, yep. is is where it hurts. Yeah, yeah we got mm-hmm. we definitely got all your funding yanked. Yeah, it's so. <laughs> but I can understand why people really like it. And it's what's interesting is we have a couple of us who've played a lot of Pandemic. Um, and then a couple of us who haven't, who aren't, you know, as, but still good game. I mean, Neil from work, um, <laughs> Neil from work, we should find some, some applause whenever we say Neil from work, <laughs> like a cowbell or like a, a gong or some, no. something just or to, something in, we'll, f- I'll find something. Ask Neil what his favorite sound effect is. Feel and we'll, we'll let him in. pick yeah. a sound effect. Neil from work. Um, and I'll, I'll, for, while we're here, I'll foreshadow. And since we mentioned Neil, um, so he, he actually was at Adepticon. He came out on Saturday and, and stopped in. And he actually had his work badge with him so he could actually cosplay as Neil from work. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> you know, we say, we, we say it in jest, but I really want to make Neil from work t-shirts. I think that'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> so that was, that was good. But yeah, Pandemic Legacy uh, is... A lot of fun, definitely hold, holding up to the hype of what they said, and we're gonna keep probably keep hitting it kind of in between now as we hit some other you know time stories and other things like that. But I think we've got enough momentum now. We'll probably run through that in the next couple months. Yeah, we're uh, we're slowly getting our way through it. Every three months, uh, seem to play with Barry and uh, Becky. I think we're in month eight. I think we're in August right now. Um, none of our characters have died, so that's mm. that's always nice. But it's it's really fun. It's a it's a nice twist on pandemic because after a while, pandemic by itself, it just yep. it it gets to be a little mundane, a little repetitive. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean it's a puzzle. I, what's cool? I mean it is like you're, it's this puzzle you need to solve. But what's cool is what the legacy is is the puzzle changes, you know, and you don't know. And there's always also like a curveball gets thrown at you maybe in the mid game or something else like that. So yeah, it really does add some new life to the to the game. Yeah. So as you were playing Pandemic Legacy, um, Josh gracefully agreed to play a team game of Age of Sigmar <laughs> against Tom and I in our mixed destruction filth. So we kind of co-crafted a, uh, a mixed chaos list for Josh to play against us. Yeah, it was. I, I yeah brought my demon army, uh, and it was uh, oof. Oof, it went it went terribly. <laughs> it went terribly. Uh, I, I, there, I made a couple early uh, bad moves. I, sh- I should have uh, been the aggressor a little bit more, and uh, that yeah, that was my downfall. So we did we did grease the wheels though with a bottle of uh, Jameson Black Barrel. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's right. Um, it was real good. Yeah, so so the whiskey definitely helped. Uh, I forgot no, about that. No, feel bad during that game. <laughs> so it helped numb the pain for uh-huh. Josh. Is that what it did? That's yeah, here. Yeah, pretty much. It was rough. And then uh, Tom and I, leading right up to Adepticon, got another game in just to try one of the battle plans we hadn't played to see how deployment worked. Um, you know, more more on it, Adepticon and Age of Sigmar, probably much more later. But the key is to play a lot more. The tournament mm-hmm. just brought that out mm-hmm. that we did not. Our ten or so practice games over the last six months was very insufficient yeah. for um, when you see some of the top tables and the guys playing there that are playing two, three games yeah. per week. Probably, um, it, it's just it's a nice focus point for the hobby to 
to get in more Sigmar and more consistent play at a, at our local shop, or hopefully as you know, you guys get hopefully more intake to Sigmar, get some more games leading up to next year yeah. or other tournaments. Yep. So that's foreshadowing. We'll talk about the whole competitive scene at Adepticon Ooh, and what we've yeah. just participated in yeah. and how that went in a little bit. Um, but then Troy, you invite us all over for a, a pretty fun um, play test of Space Hulk leading into Adepticon. Yeah, like so. I think was it the two weeks before something like that. I finally got enough of the Space Hulk stuff put together and and all set up the whole twelve by six table in the basement of Death Prime, uh, and it was a blast because we had six six people came over, um, John and myself running the Tyranid, so eight eight people. It was nice to have run a, a full blown play test all the players. Um, and get through it, and um, it was good. I mean, I, I think people had a lot of fun. It gave us a chance to tweak a few things. We were always turning the cranks on on a few things to make we we actually kept turning up the crank to make it harder for the Marines, uh, especially for that where we have thirty Marines coming in. So um, some some people didn't have fun because <laughs> <laughs> they played against John, who rolled sixes on demand as the Gene Steeler player in normal. He he just set the dice down on six. On six, yeah. somehow he's able to do I that. I still think he has magnet magnetized mm-hmm. dice. Mm-hmm. I think that's true. But no, that was that was fun. It was a cool uh, preview yeah. of the um, Adepticon scenario and and play. So it was nice to be a part of that play test. Good group, good turnout. Yeah, that was that was fun. It was because we don't always get like the full table to pull out, so it was good. And then as. Um, as hobby gamers do leading up to a big convention and tournament play, uh, there's a fair amount of hobbying that gets done. So I know the days leading up to Adepticon this year, unlike last year where I was painting the night before I left, (laughs) I was done a full 24 hours in advance. My display board was done. My army, everything was detailed and, and packed away so that the night before Adepticon, Tom and I could get in another game. Every bit of hobby was done though, twenty four hours out. So that was that was a nice feeling of not last minute painting or or hobbying. I packed away, you know, a, a like a trimmer and a razor blade and glue and a hobby repair kit. Had that ready to go. Um, and then I actually, since I had super glue out the night before Adepticon, I put together the Batman miniatures Suicide Squad. And, nice uh, Ben Affleck Batman that that was in there. Um, so got a little non Sigmar hobbying in for a nice little change of pace. And we are going to play Batman. Those are kind of our post Adepticon goals. I think we'll get a game of Batman in play around with hinterlands. Oh yes. AOS play, Um, play test some zombie side, some zombie side plague. Yep. Yep. Yeah. We've got a nice hobby, hobby slash gaming agenda here as we, we head into uh, the next con, Nexus, which will be end of May. Yep. And again, foreshadowing a little bit, I, I, I actually, I feel in past years, as I've come out of Adepticon, sometimes I've kind of had a, like, I don't know, a lull where like, hey, was, you put so much effort in, whatever, it's, hey, let's take a break, whatever. This year, I'm really energized. I'm so amped I, up. I, I'm like, yeah, I'm like, I'm having a hard time, like, I'm headed for vacation in a little bit, so I don't have time, but I'm really like, I really love to paint some more or put some yeah. together more like i really am energized I, I think it's just kind of what came out of adepticon and the the fun we had there so yeah last last night as we were kind of sharing some ideas for the show i was uh taking out the the morning goal from forge world that came right before adepticon and cleaning up the <laughs> resin and um getting getting some hobby in so definitely motivated to keep that going 
and so i mean i unlike ty i was painting up until right the day before but i think that's because i left the day you left the day earlier so i didn't have an extra day maybe that was it but (laughs) yeah we did a little hobby hangout i think on the monday of of the week of adepticon which helped me get over the hump i I gotta say well that was tremendously helpful one night josh got on google hangouts with me one night matt did out in seattle one night you did Mm -hmm. Like going forward, that'd be something fun. Yeah. Um, even even out to listeners on the show, you know, like mm-hmm. on Twitter or whatever, hit hit us up because it just helps to have somebody to chat with or something to do. So for sure, yeah, hobby hangout was awesome because yeah, I, I was doing the uh, the you know pretend uh, I, I'm <laughs> I'm building an army the the hundred point list uh, or, or the thousand you, point list. I you mean, still have your beard. Yeah, I still have my beard, so I, I have a thousand you points. Made it. Yeah, I made it. Um, but yeah, no. So I was I was doing the yeah the quote unquote um, Adepticon build no, list. No, dude, yeah. don't don't bunny ear it. You painted a thousand point. I did, I did, and you I busted I'm, it out in thirty days. You got it done. Got Good it work. done, and it was awesome to do the hobby hangout. That I think mm-hmm. that that's really motivating, and it keeps you know you can kind of show off what you're doing with the other person. Yeah, it's I don't know. I it, it's cool. It's it's fun. Yep, and that's what got the Ripper swarms built for. Nice. At least for the space hall because I had them. I had them where I had it in the rules, but I had a fallback if I didn't actually get because I didn't have the miniatures done when I wrote the rules. <laughs> and so I'm like, okay, if you do this, just substitute this in for for Ripper Swarms. But those guys got built, and we threw those in. The, Was it going to be your Necron? No, they were. They were all, Necrons were all done actually the day before. I think I got them done over the weekend, but okay. I still had a, a few touch up things that I was doing the week of Adepticon to get there. So. And nice. I, yeah, we'll we'll talk about that. But the, my Necrons were barely, whatever. They were bar- barely tabletop, but that was good. Yeah, they, they look, they, they look, look fine. They look like dirty robots. Yeah, yeah. they're dirty robots. That was that was what I was going for. Yeah, so. yeah. Mission accomplished. So after all that uh, playing and you know hobbying, yeah, I'm sure you guys were looking for other ways to expand your collections. Um, I think where we often find ourselves is on Kickstarter. And lately there have been a few good ones. Truth. Who is, uh, who is wallet deep into rising sun? Um, maybe, (laughs) (laughs) maybe he says do or do not. There is no try $200 later. Troy wise optional buys. Did you go all in? Uh, I haven't added any. I just keep looking at what, when the, when the pledge manager comes out, what, what I'll have to throw in there, but I haven't actually thrown more money in my original pledge. So <laughs> over $3 million. Yep. That's crazy. Rising sun with only a handful of days left at the time of recording, um, over $3 million and still a probably $200 to come from me. I haven't, haven't pulled the trigger. I'm going to, but I just haven't pulled the trigger yet. I'm waiting till five minutes before, it ends, and then I'm going to go Deluxe Edition. That's a dangerous game, man. I know. It's a dangerous Because you could forget. You could get busy, be on a phone call. Nope. A client, a client could call, and yep. game over. No I, rising sun for Josh. I, I roll fast and out of control. Yeah, yeah. I've said that about you before. <laughs> um, somebody back Dinosaur Island? Tell yes. us about this, please. So that's the John Gilmore game pandasaurus oh yeah games um just looked kind of fun when i saw it out there and uh and so it got me it's kind of like jurassic park the board game i i was gonna say that but i didn't want to be a 
And <laughs> why? That's what it is. It's Jurassic Park, the board game. Okay. You build your build your dinosaur fun park, and then see who builds the best one. See if anybody gets eaten. Uh, maybe I don't know if that's a mechanic. Maybe something like that. It is on up on Tabletopia, I think, or Tabletop Simulator, one of the one of the online ones. So I actually want to kind of maybe get Ben or even one of you guys to try it out. I'll, uh, uh, online. I'll do Tabletopia so, or Tabletop. I'll, I'll do that. And I should know which one for real it is on, but it is. And I think it's available for free right now. So very cool. But it looks cool. Cool components. I, John Gilmore game got me kind of hooked because he always does kind of that little bit of stuff with a little bit of a twist, kind of fun, but you know, solid game and rules underneath. So yeah, right. he's, he's one of those designers that I think flies under the, the radar a little bit of some of the, you know, Ignacy and mm-hmm. Jamie Stegmeyer and, um, you know Eric Lang, yeah. but he's he's turned out consistently great games again and again, um, especially the you know Dead of Winter right. with Isaac Vega and and then the the follow ups that have come from there. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm really interested when you get your copy of Wasteland Express and then yeah that'll be soon yeah that'll be really well, soon yeah. yep. Um, and, and then. With our buying segment, since this is our Adepticon review episode, thought we'd talk a little bit about the vendor hall there. Some of our purchases, some things that we saw that uh, we may not have bought at the convention, but they're definitely in our web carts right now, ready to go from <laughs> some of these places. Um, so I'll, I'll kick it off with the um, Anvilate Games. Stop by there. NCAP booth, much bigger than yep. years past. Looked really cool. Um, had a lot of product out. Uh, until Sunday when they were going to be taking very little home from the convention. <laughs> so a, a big, big weekend for those guys. Um, but I picked up uh, one of the boxes and a couple blisters of the new Resex uh, miniatures that they had out there um, because I needed the fourth faction for my own collection. So I uh, picked up one of the expansion boxes, the Dive Master, um, and then another, another uh, convention special mini. Yeah. I I also uh, swung over by the Anvil AK guys and uh, picked up the Res X. Um, and I, I realized I had never purchased the House of Karu stuff. And I was like, oh, uh, I need to buy that as well. Yeah, I also grabbed a box, one of the collective boxes from Res X, because I wanted to start that stuff. Yeah. Um, which which boxes did you guys get? I got the one with Nemo and his... Uh, the tentacles and the the crew. I believe I got a different one than that. Yeah, I got the I, other one with the the shooty guys. Um, I, I hold on. Shooty guys is a technical term for um, guys with guns. Actually, have it right here. So I bought the box with uh, Captain. Oh yeah, it was Nemo. Yeah. So. It comes with uh, some of the black bonnets. The those are the shooty guys. Uh, I was talking with Will about that a little bit, and he's like, "Yeah, they're they're pretty awesome." Um, uh, the other the other set is really fun too. He's he's just like, "I know your style. I think you'll like these guys better." So, and then yeah, they he threw in the uh, the Rexcon diver, which was really nice. So. Yeah, I think I have the Rexcon Diver. I'll tell you how I got that later. Uh, I got Aurelia Kingsley. The she's the avatar in the box set that I. Oh, grabbed, okay, so. cool. Because I was trying to get something different from what I thought you guys had. Yeah, so yeah, nice. cool. 
Uh, eventually, I want to complete the whole Res X uh, yeah. faction, just because they're so far they're the ones that I, I think are are the coolest looking models. They've really hit the next level. They're all cool. Time they are absolutely all cool, but this is where they have transcended. It's the yeah. fourth faction. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's legit. Yeah. So, so definitely check those guys out. Um, a couple other booths, but real quick, we should probably segue to Josh's offsite uh, acquisition. Yeah, so uh, half the reason I was down on down to Odepticon on Thursday was um, I, I have a work uh, client down in in that area uh, near Odepticon, and so I, I had uh, my f- friend and uh, customer Dave out to lunch. We were chatting about gaming and stuff, and chatting about you know various work things and uh the game ogre came up because he's a big ogre fan and he's you know big into steve jackson games and that sort of thing uh he's been playing ogre for a number of years and um yeah he brought me a copy of uh the pocket edition of ogre uh they did a reprinting of it a number of years ago on kickstarter so uh he bought like 10 or 12 copies or something and um yeah, he handed me the game, and I was like, oh, that's so cool. So, um, yeah, not a purchase, but a, an acquisition. So I was uh, really happy because uh, I'm interested in playing. I just don't have the game. So, um, yeah, he, he knew that and, and brought one, brought me a copy. It was just super nice. So thank you, Dave. Yeah, and it's that's like the old old school version. It does look like the one that was yeah hanging in a the dungeon hobby shop in 1983 yeah. or something like that. So. Yeah. Like they took the old stuff, reprinted it. And I mean, it's even the same punch outs and the same maps and the same map that comes with it and stuff. So yeah, totally fun. Yeah. Kind of that pocket game. Right. Uh, and it's even called pocket edition. Yeah. Two ninety five. Exactly. Yeah. And they sold it for two ninety five on, <laughs> which is probably what it cost back in the day. Too. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I think that's really cool that they did that. Cool. So, one place I hit down there was Secret Weapon. Um, always good between their bases. I have a ton of their bases. Um, Adepticon? Adepticon, yeah. And um, one thing I use a lot is their their washes. I, I highly recommend soft body wash. I live and die by. Um, it's kind of like... What's that closest to? Is that Probably like Agra- the, Agrax or Agrax Shade. Earth Shade. Shade, yeah. Okay. It's in kind of that. It's not the black black, kind of like not null oil, but kind of in between. Okay. Um, so I think it, it, it actually, I feel like somewhere in between Agarith Earthshade and Null Oil. Null Oil? Okay. Um, but uh, you, again, yeah. just you get a bigger pot, kind of the, the um, dropper bottle. Um, huh. Like a lot. I like that. The packaging a little better. And then, yeah, yeah soft I'm body a, black. I'm, is a, I'm a one brand paint kind of guy. Yeah. <laughs> I, I haven't branched off yeah. the Citadel. Um, but maybe someday I'll, I'll someday, try. Someday. Because Secret Weapon, I, I almost bought a few of their weathering powders mm-hmm. um, as I look at. 30k and some of that other um, big vehicle stuff those weathering powders are are pretty okay. and awesome i would recommend to too they I, I have not i shouldn't say firsthand but heard good things about some of their um weathering paints so he's got some paint sets that are like yeah. you want know, to do rust he's got two or three different colors that together will give you a really nice rust thing or like tire he's got some really cool colors like oh you want dirty tire like i literally have dirty tire and Justin's kind of known for that kind of really dirty, grimy paint style. Yeah. So he's created paints and washes and weathering powders to kind of accent that, to give you that same kind of look. So, I mean, cool. 
yeah, I highly recommend a lot of that stuff. Again, Citadel's great, all, you know, whatever, but you always there's always alternate stuff you want to try and just yeah. see what, what works for you, right? You know, like Army Painter or whatever. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, what was cool, Army Painter, speaking of paints, um, saw Derek Osborne used to be a sales director over at Cool Mini mm-hmm. or Not. Then he's gone, done some other things, but now he was with Army Painter mm-hmm. at the show. So it was, it was kind of cool seeing him and seeing these guys that, you know, go around different companies. But Army Painter had, uh, it looked like a painting demo table where you could actually try the, the feel of some of their stuff. And they had the, um, the zombie side sets and everything. Mm-hmm. So uh, cool to see them there. I didn't pick up any paint, um, but definitely it was, it was another thing out there. Um, Troy, rumor has it you may have made a, uh, a bag purchase. Um, yeah, so what I told myself is if they had a, if Battlephone had one of their big XL bags left on Sunday, I would buy it. Well, guess what? They didn't have one. But then talking <laughs> to one of the guys there, they're like, hey, we'll give you the show price that they were in like 10% off, which is pretty good for them. Battlephone doesn't run that big of, of sales ever usually. Um, and then they're like, and we'll ship it to your house for free, you know, lower 48. I'm like, I'm like, hold it. I don't even have to haul it home. This is like better than if I bought it here, right? <laughs> so I, I, I've been looking at to replace. I have an old style of the XL bag that I use a lot for hauling the Space Hulk stuff. Um, I think, Ty, you actually have the XL bag, right? Yeah. And yeah. so it's got the built-in luggage wheel cart kind of thing. It's it was, really nice. It, it was really a nice. lifesaver for the tournament. Able to put my foam in there, put my books and stuff, and, and just wheel it down with my display board in the other hand. Um, it, it, yeah. makes, it makes yeah. travel with your army. Uh, incredibly easy yeah and we're all kind of bought in like i have so much foam you know in that style already just having the box so so yeah that was a quick you know, in a sunday late that was a you know on the way out purchase um to get so i think i'll be pretty happy with that just uh knowing knowing what uh what i know about those bags so very cool tyson you you made a purchase um yeah. an un- unintentional kinda, purpose kind of hastily yeah i uh so leading up to the con on Twitter, I saw um, Broken Egg Games. They do a lot of um, plastic measuring sticks for different games, tokens that they were going to be releasing, um, Age of Sigmar-specific status tokens and everything in a bag of all these. So I went to the booth, and I, I picked one up, looked at it, then I grabbed the second one because I'm like, oh, I bet Tom would want one of these, and I'm expecting a certain price point. It's a bag <laughs> of plastic tokens, and they're beautiful. I mean, the the graphics, they're double-sided, um, they're, you know, not quarter inch thick, but close. Um, and, and just so the listeners are aware, it's about a sandwich bag size, but maybe a little bit bigger. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, um, I want to say it's close to a hundred tokens, mm-hmm. uh, within the bag. So it's, it's a good number, but I was, I was thinking it was going to be $30 each probably. Yeah. Um, and I get up there and it was $55 each. <laughs> and I kind of gave the guy a shocked look, like, I'm sorry? And he said, the number again, 110 or whatever it was, plus tax. And I went, oh, um, uh, uh, here. And I handed my card over. <laughs> um, in a very kind of confused fashion. And then the more I thought about it, I, I got mad. And I went through those whatever 12 stages or something. <laughs> 12 stages of grief yeah yeah um first was denial i'm like i didn't just pay that and then uh what i do want to plug real quick um is the mortal realms podcast they do some uh laser cut i think they're wood maybe plastic tokens for sigmar and when you buy them you back the show 
much more affordable and just as effective. So Broken Egg Games, it's a quality product, um, but I, I think they they have charged their premium premium um and taking that a little further than they yeah. maybe should <laughs> premium premium um, premium super plus. premium yeah. yeah um and, and there are other options out there uh so don't be like me and grab a bag or two of tokens expecting a certain price and then get um get a gypsy that tricks you you kind of did the nervous nerd, and you just handed the card over. Yeah, I was I was shocked, and then I thought, well, I don't want to walk away and be that guy. Uh, okay, I'll buy them. <laughs> so, but they uh, worked, right? They worked. worked. I used yeah. them in the tournament. They're, yep. they're really helpful. Um, they have all of the statuses and different, you know, attacked, not attacked on the flip mm. side. So as you're going mm. over. Because alternating activation in Sigmar, it's very forget. easy to forget who's right. gone, who hasn't gone. Yep. I um, mean, all the plus minuses to hit and to wound mm-hmm. and the save. So there's a ton of very useful, helpful tokens, and I'll certainly get a ton of play out of them. Uh, the The price point was shockingly steep, though. Right. Um, also that day, so Thursday was kind of my day to really explore the the uh, vendor vendor hall in full. Um, the other areas that I stopped at where I didn't make a purchase, but I'm very close to, I'm just deciding between a few different designs because uh, I'm looking for an urban um, play mat and also an Arctic kind of tundra snow uh, play mat mm-hmm. for urban. I think I want to go four by four or three by three just to accommodate Batman miniatures mm-hmm. or smaller scale um, and tundra four by six. So I stopped at table war who had theirs all on display um, very quality mouse pad thickness, great designs. Um, and then frontline gaming who had a lot of their April pre-release stuff out. Um, and I'm, I'm trying to decide between the two and, and what I want to order. It's probably going to come down to if I want to order some of the frontline gaming's miniatures mm-hmm. or make them a larger order, if I'll just add it in there, um, or go with table war, but they each had their, their stuff on display. Um, and it's interesting that they were both there, you know, yeah. after that split recently <laughs> and, and uh, Frontline doing their own thing now. Um, but Table War is not going to, I mean, they're established. They yep. they have a good a good setup and a good web web store presence. Yeah, and so Table War is the original. <clears throat> that's the Fat Mat, which is kind of the original that they got there. And I talked to Doug on Sunday, uh, stopped by, and it was really interesting. Doug, he has a, does a really good interview on the D6G Generation podcast from a couple weeks ago. Uh, so earlier in March is where he, we, he's on there. But um, so I stopped by and talked to him. I had met him before at Gen Con. Um, and and we talked a little bit about could we use his mats, the fat mats for Space Hulk. Um, so it was a good chance. Again, I always try and stop by because I kind of pimp them at when we do Space Hulk. And then I stopped by and just wanted to, again, thank him for because they donated one of the mats that we use for some of that. So it was good. We just got to talk a little bit. He always wants to push me on. I think it's the Underworld, Under Hive mat that they have he's like i think that would look really good under your space hulk game so i'm that's always something i'm always tempted to do too although we have plenty well, of mats so go, go ahead and buy that though because then we can play the new uh underworld oh, armageddon yeah the new necromunda 40k yep i think that would work really yeah. good underneath yeah. that mat too something like that yeah so we might yeah might need like you always need plenty of mats yeah and, and you know not taking aside both table war and frontline gaming both have really great mats and uh, mm-hmm. yeah they're uh, 
the designs for you know the especially the frontline gaming the new release stuff mm-hmm. is really cool and Table Wars always got good stuff. So yeah, there's there's a lot of good yeah. stuff out yeah. there. And, so. Yeah, and, and Frontline again. I've worked a lot with uh, Frankie and Reese over there. I order a lot of stuff from them, and again, and worked with Frankie when I originally got the mat. It was when they were combined, and I actually worked with Frankie to get some of that stuff. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, again, we recommend both those guys. I mean, Table War also has their uh, case system, which is kind mm-hmm. of the ma- really different than foam, or whatever. It's all about mag- magnetizing them and carry them in. You know, it's really the, almost display level miniature cases that you're moving around there and then they have the new micro mats which are more for photography mm-hmm. but uh, those are really hot like you see those a lot now when people are taking miniature pictures and throwing them on all kinds of social media right so yeah mm-hmm. yeah very cool products um in both great companies it's cool seeing reese around the age of sigmar tables too mm-hmm. um he's gotten pretty heavy into that so hopefully that means we'll start seeing some more um fantasy friendly designs out of frontline gaming yeah because they, they really have some cool somebody like. i think it was josh who pointed me at the new frontline gaming terrain they have like a necron yeah. type yeah. terrain set it's real cool. that looks really cool that yep. i might have to grab at some point so um it's it's robot city yeah robot city yeah who could the robots be but yeah it, again like you said it'll be interesting to see do they do some fantasy based yeah, kind of terrain for again. As soon as I probably, I mean, they did a really big Age of Sigmar tournament at LVO at LVO. Yeah. So mm-hmm. again, I think GW threw a lot of terrain at that though. So maybe yeah. they don't have a need. I assume. I assume as soon as they have a need to create terrain, they'll create terrain that they can sell too. So well, and yeah. some of their new stuff too is is kind of could be both. agnostic. Yeah. yeah, it's not it's not real. Yeah, uh, S- one system agnostic is that what we call it? Yeah, yeah. right. Exactly. It's, it's grasslands. It's kind of tundra-ish. It's, yeah. um, and then speaking of terrain, the other really cool exhibitors that I saw um, were Lasercraft Studios and Death Ray Designs doing a lot of that laser cut wood uh, building scenery. Yeah. A um, couple of Old West stuff at um, Lasercraft Studios and Death Ray Designs had that uh, future near future hab mm-hmm. kind of tenement housing and and other buildings um i avoided the wallet opening there uh narrowly <laughs> narrowly avoided because I'm, I'm looking for modern buildings to really use for batman um yeah. <clears throat> so uh i didn't find anything that quite fit what i was looking for um but both had incredible displays and a, a lot of really great and relatively affordable um pricing on on their terrain yeah, and I, I, I've talked about Death Ray designs before. I have a, I was in their latest Kickstarter, so I literally have probably seventy pounds of, <laughs> of cut laser cut uh, wood sitting there waiting to be assembled. Of all that kind of that uh, whatever they called that the space kind of terrain, um, the space it's like the base, like the military base. Yeah, that's over there. But I really liked also that Lasercraft Studios. There's like a landing pad and like the level of detail on that. I, I mean, I always talk about how great the Death Ray design stuff is, but that there are some of those things at that Lasercraft that were just ridiculous. Um, and they were li- there's a little bit of a premium price on them, but not. It was kind of again. You're. I think it's worth the value what you're paying for it, right? It's not. Mm-hmm. I mean, and because I think some of the landing pads were twenty five bucks. Some of the bigger buildings tended to be forty, fifty, sixty dollars, but. For what you're getting, I mean, I think I think it's kind of worth it. I mean, it plus it like smells that. so good. Oh man, <laughs> you walk into those booths and you're yeah. like, oh, it smells burnt, like a campfire. It's wood. awesome. Yeah, burnt, burnt wood. Know. There's yeah. something about that that yeah, I love it. 
So from, from the campfires of the vendor hall, uh, we'll take a short break here to refill our drinks, and then when we come back, we're going to dive right into the big daddy of them all, Adepticon coverage. When you think of competitive gaming in the United States of America, there are very few tournaments the size and scope of Adepticon. I mean, out east you have Nova, out west you have LVO, and in the great span of the country's interior, you have Adepticon. Um, and this year we, we, uh, we headed there with our armies in tow, um, our army lists printed in triplicate or... What is it when you print seven? Yeah, a, good uh, question. Seven, seven it's, a, it's a septipod. A sept- oh, no. oh, septipod. Maybe that's a, no. Yeah, oh, so that's the, the octopus. <laughs> I don't know. What. Um, and we we hit a few tournaments. Um, I, I think what would be fun is just to talk about our experience. Um, not get into the nitty gritty turn by turn recap uh, because we're not a uh, strictly miniature gaming um, podcast, but highlight some of the you know what we brought what our impression was of, of the general tournament layout, the battle plans that were played, um, and then some some highlights uh, or possibly lowlights. Nice. And then a shout-out to our opponents because we met some really, yeah. really quality uh, gamers and, and great guys um, on, on the tables over the tournament. So, Troy, I think it was uh, Thursday you uh, were playing. When I showed up, you were yep, midway I, in the game. It was... Uh, so I played in the gentlemen's uh, 40k gentlemen's tournament uh, on Thursday. That was just three rounds, so like an, an RT style tournament. Uh, thousand points. You actually had dual dual lists. You could actually bring two lists. You could have like almost like a sideboard kind of thing. You could have an A list and a B list. Um, really, the whole the premise of it was it basically it basically wasn't the it, it's not the championship which was going on at the same time on the tables right to the around us uh, in terms of the the huge 40k championship tournament which is a, a little bit more cutthroat you know very much uh you know meta meta style lists that are trying to to be it and it was much more laid back I and mean, you sent your list in ahead of time so they, again i don't know if you rejected anybody's list at all but it was just more making sure people were playing in the style that was intended um i think what was really cool so uh, I think Ken was the guy who who ran it, and another guy I forget. Sorry, I forget um, the other guy who was helping run it. What was really cool is when we got there. I think I kind of tweeted out a picture. the The welcome packet was a shot glass and a mini a mini uh, bottle of booze. So I had Tito's, <laughs> which made total sense. Um, and then uh, and included in that was the he had a custom Maelstrom pack that was one of the one of the games was a Maelstrom type mission. So he made it again. The idea of make a custom deck. Um, that was kind of being about fun. I mean, the idea was, yes, it wasn't competitive. People were there trying to win, but in the end, it was a lot about more about fun. And then the schedule itself was was very laid back. We played three games from nine to, I think we finished about seven, right? So 10 hours, three games in 10 hours. Very, not very, you know, we had plenty of time to finish. I think most, almost everybody was always finishing every round. We got an hour and a half lunch break. You know, very, very laid back. I it was exactly what I was looking for. Just getting back in, play a bunch of games of 40k, um, and but not have to worry about am I up on the meta? Do I have the best list? That, you know, that was it's going to handle whatever the stuff is. It was just have some stuff to play, right? And so I ran Necrons, 
and uh, which were I just dusted them off because I'd you know last that was probably <laughs> the last thing I'd played. Um, from I don't know how much I've even played it in seventh uh, edition. That's a good good question. So, um, so really good. I mean, and the the welcome pack. So I played my first game. I actually played a guy from Milwaukee. He plays from at Battle Brothers here, uh, Kurt. And he was running some of the new Eldar, so he had some of the new mixed Eldar, which I didn't really have an answer for. But it was it was a fun it was a fun game. I just kind of knew I wasn't gonna I couldn't compete with the mobileness that he had in the army. Um, I shouldn't say that. It, on, in hindsight, you're always like, oh, maybe I could have done something different, right? I think that's what Ty will get to a lot on when, why you need to play more, maybe at some of that. So, um, but that was a lot of that was playing him was a lot of fun. Um, it, we were a little low energy. It was nine o'clock in the morning, right, to get going, but. Uh, it was fun, and later in the day we exchanged beers because we didn't weren't drinking yet at uh, <laughs> at ten o'clock in the morning. But it was kind of cool because I was playing my second round. He was running by, and he's like, "Hey, you want a new Glarus?" And we, we threw a beer on that. And that was kind of a theme. Um, a lot of a lot of drinks flowing. I think somebody brought me beer while I was playing. He was tired. Some somebody brought beers. <laughs> made a run up to the room, and uh, we gave some beers to my opponent. So in the second game, I played uh, a corn list. Um, it was Eric, and I think it was from South Carolina, North Carolina. I think it was South Carolina. Yeah, so, South Carolina. Um, so a really uh, a fun guy. Um, Drinking it was praline a, whiskey. Yeah, right. Yeah. And, oh, he was, and so it was good. it was sharing the whiskey, right? Which yeah. is even better than drinking it, right? Is um, and it wasn't just with, just with you. It was nope. Ty and I. He was like, "Hey, try this." <laughs> yeah, and we got and we got him some Milwaukee beer. Yeah, you know, some yep. like front beer to get there. So again, that was kind of the spirit, right? It was really fun like that. Um, I struggled against that one because this was the the Maelstrom mission, and I, the cards I drew, I had little to no chance to to get to it because the the objectives. All three of my cards I pulled out, three of the four I pulled out in the first round, were on the objective that was on way on the other side of the board, <laughs> and I was not going to get there. And he so he got an early lead, and I just never got anything to get me back. But again, in hindsight, I'm like, well, maybe I could have done something different with my lord, or maybe I could have challenged that. So. Um, again, I think it's something about when you, uh, you know, when you play more, you kind of have your, you, you have more options probably in your toolkit around how to adapt to a situation. Whereas I, I kind of knew what my army did and I was kind of playing it pretty straight each game. Um, and, but in hindsight, you're like, Oh, maybe I should have deviated from my kind of normal play style with the, the army to, to try and figure out how to win when I was up against it, when I had some kind of different constraint or something else around maelstrom to do that. So, mm-hmm. um, and then uh, the third game um, ended up playing. So, so I mean, the score I think it was thirteen seven. My first game against Kurt, so it wasn't too bad. I mean, kind of a you know a loss, but not not terrible in terms of battle points. Second game, I think uh, Eric kind of ran me over at because I don't think I scored hardly anything. I could not score any maelstrom points, and I got very little secondary something like that. So it might have been like twenty eight to one or something ridiculous like that. Um, but then third game, I played. I think I played Jake. Um, uh, younger guy, he didn't. I mean, it looked like he kind of had an army. He just kind of threw together and brought over. It was chaos, kind of a, a chaos army, and he just didn't have an answer for my Necrons. Like I just, he couldn't kill anything, he, which is a kind of a, a theme around the Necrons. Not in none of my games was I ever even close to being tabled. Nothing died. It was just whether I could get to objectives and things like that. But in the third game, I could just. Get, I had more on the table. I was able to kind of push him off um and deal with his flyers that he had um you, actually i could just live through his flyers because i didn't have any sky fire so i wasn't gonna like take him down but i just he couldn't kill anything killing my guys so i just set an objectives and scored that out that and, and that was kind of a huge i don't know why i scored 30 something 30 to 1 or something like that i kind of maxed that one out but uh, nice. that's all a little too late though at, at that point so 
so it was good. I think it was a good tournament. I, I was a little disappointed, like, in, and I, sh- I shouldn't say anything because, like I said, my army was, you know, tabletop. I thought it was pretty good. But compared to what other people had on the table, I was actually, I mean, like, you know, I thought my army was, like, the minimum. But some other people were kind of a little less than that. So, I don't know. I think I would like to see the painting standard be up a little bit, especially when it's in, you know, as a gentleman's tournament, you'd think it should be more hobby-focused. Yeah, because um, mm-hmm. you're not as competitive, so I, I think there yeah. should have been a little bit more emphasis on the hobby side. But in the scheme of things, the, the guys again, the terrain that those guys put on the tables is amazing. Yeah. And a lot of lights and things like that. So again, that's another reason like you'd hope people would bring the armies up to a little better standard than your, what we were seeing. So well, your first game, there was a big building in the middle, and it had a whole bunch of blinking lights, mm-hmm. and then on the other side, it had two LED screens. That had like billboards on them. Yeah. I'm like, that is so freaking right. yeah, cool. Right. And that, and that wasn't just, I mean, every table had some kind of really cool terrain yeah. piece, something like that. I mean, we were only, it was a smaller tournament. I think we had, you know, maybe we had 10 tables or something 10 like, or like that. Tables, table, something like yeah. that. I mean, it wasn't huge. So it was that, but, <clears> um, but I was really, it was happy. I mean, it, was, it got me my fix because we, I hadn't played 40K in a while. Um, got some games in because the rest of the weekend then was, we'll talk about later. I, you know, running Space Hulk and other things like that. So it was fun to kind of, get those competitive juices in there and just, just play some games. And, and again, the social aspect of talking with other people and meeting people from around the country and other things like that was a blast too. So it was cool. Awesome. Success. We'll call it. <laughs> it's always good when you can uh, put it in the success mm-hmm. column. Yep. So Ty, now you can talk about Friday. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Friday was the age of Sigmar team tournament at Adepticon. Um, it was huge. For an Age of Sigmar event, there was 128 um, players, or no, more, uh, 68 teams. So do the math, that's 132, Math is really hard <laughs> after drinks. And I was told there'd be no Working all day. Um, but 68 teams. So um, in Games Workshop, uh, Warhammer TV was broadcasting um, the top tables of the team tournament on their uh, Twitch feed. So it was really cool to see Rob Symes and, you know, some of those guys and Ben Johnson and one of the guys were playing in the tournament. Uh, so there was good participation from the GW community team and uh, general format. Each player brought a thousand points, had to have at minimum one leader. So your general and then two battle line units, um, any Alliance you'd like if I was playing destruction, Tom could have been playing chaos. Um, didn't have to be the same grand Alliance. Um, I, I think that's interesting. I think it would be even more interesting if it was some composition rules. Uh, cause you can get some really nasty, um, no, no, cross, uh, alliance combos, and cross yeah. alliance combos that, you know, some, <laughs> some of them just don't mm-hmm. seem reasonable. Um, <clears throat> But it three games over the course of the day on Friday, um, using a, a very familiar Adepticon style of primary objective, secondary objective, tertiary objective, mm-hmm. and then level of win. So major win earned you 20 mm-hmm. points, minor win earned you 15, draw 10, minor loss 5, major loss 0, and then scoring on secondary and tertiary. So you can max out with 30 points um, mm-hmm. if, you, if you won a game. Um, started in the morning. Tom and I did a shot before we left the hotel room. Brought a <laughs> brought a drink down, uh, just to to play. 
Um, our first game, we ended up matched up against a Games Workshop uh, employee, a store manager from mm-hmm. one of the Downers Grove locations, and a former Games Workshop employee. So Adam Pyle is the manager, uh, one of the two managers at uh, the GW in Downers Grove, Illinois, and then Dan Biello. Uh, who used to work for GW, um, run one of the stores in Northern Illinois, but now does a lot of commission painting from through uh, Blood Art Studios. Um, and he's on Facebook. Really great work. Um, two fantastic opponents. They were playing a mixed uh, Stormcast list. Um, it was a great game. They had 18 prosecutors and a Star Drake, so a lot of shooting. Tom and I had very little to no shooting other than my Thunder Tusk. Um, controlling four different objective points. Real back and forth, lots of things dying. Great game uh, against two really awesome dudes. Um, and it ended turn five. I made a tactical blunder and failed to move within range of an objective. And they took it, which swung from Tom and I getting a major victory to us getting a minor loss. So we had a yeah. fifteen point battle point, fifteen battle point swing in game one, yeah. uh, which kind of set the tone for uh, for the day. <laughs> And Tom and I think everybody else brought up to me at least once during the weekend. Whenever I would see somebody, they'd remind me of my uh, my failure in game one. <laughs> um, <laughs> so we left that table 0-1, moved down to kind of a mid-table, and we played um, two guys. I, I don't have their last names. I feel bad. But Dan and Dominic from the Indianapolis area, uh, they were playing Clan Scryer um, Skaven, so a lot of shooting Storm mm-hmm. Fiends and mortal wound output and then a huge formation with uh three of the banners for the bloodbound and 90 blood reavers and the mission the way that mission worked um deployment you deployed uh anywhere on the board as long as you were nine inches away from an enemy and there were four objectives that were placed so they were able to deploy their 110 guys Hmm. as one drop on all four objectives um (laughs) And scoring started in turn one. So if there's one downside to the the whole tournament experience is that mission seemed a little, um, I mean, it was four points right away that they got. And then as you blast them off, it didn't escalate. So you weren't scoring more points later rounds, which I think would have offset it. Um, So they had enough after turn two where no matter what, we would have needed to sweep them. So we ended up tabling them uh, and had I had a thousand points left, I had my my stone horn and my thunder tusk yeah. left, and they had nothing on the table. But we got the um, the major loss uh, just because of deployment right. in turn one. It it felt it was a kind of a feel bad, but we said ah whatever you know it, it happens. Let's go on. So we were zero and two after two rounds, uh, and and we <laughs> we uh, we felt we sat down across from these two dudes, Matt Matt Holmberg and Ben Harrison. They're from Seattle been gaming 25 30 years so kind of veterans and old warhammer and their models some of them were old like dwarves from the 80s and blocks of dark elf spearmen and we looked at the list and and kind of looked at each other like oh man this is gonna be brutal um and we proceeded to table them in turn two and win 30 nothing i mean we just smashed across the table and uh you know, it, it, we kind of felt bad, but had fun, good banter yeah. with those guys. And they understood. They're like, oh, you guys brought, uh, you know, yeah. a, a list. Um, and that that was it. So after a full day of uh, gaming, you know, we finished in 30th out of 68 teams. Um, 
we maxed out sportsmanship. So there was about 20 teams that had max sportsmanship. There was a 20 way tie for sportsmanship, <laughs> but then they go to a tiebreaker and, uh, Tom and I were runner up, um, for best sports. So mm-hmm. second, um, in however battle points and paint, uh, score, um, help. So that was, that was really cool that, you know, we, we created that experience and had that feeling for, uh, for our opponents to get three favorite game votes. Um, <clears throat> and then, uh, our paint score for our, our mixed destruction was 24 out of 25. And if you're getting 25 points, you're a premier, okay. you know, so it was a really good feeling to, to nail 24 okay. points and, um, you know, finishing the top half, going one and two. We we joked if if we'd won that first game, if I hadn't made that one <laughs> failure, we would have been top fifteen for the day, maybe higher. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there's always next time. But we had a blast. It was the yeah. first team tournament. It was our third, fourth, and fifth game as a team ever because we didn't really get a chance to practice. You know, our list synergy or anything. Uh, but had an absolute so, blast. Suffer against me. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> against you and Troy, we were games one and one and two. Um, so so. I, I think Matt and Ben would have been happy if you would have won your first game too, because then they wouldn't yeah. have seen you in the third yeah. Game. They wouldn't have seen us um, <laughs> in round three. Yeah, they, they they were like, "How did you guys get here?" And we yeah. kind of explained like how we had a couple of bad beats and. So and they're like, yeah, this list doesn't. You guys don't belong. And, down and, here. and so I don't want to rub salt in the wound. So like, how far did you not move? Like an inch, it was two an inch? inch. It was an, an inch. It was an inch. Okay. Yeah, one inch. Mm-hmm. Um, I did so the destruction I, move, and we were rushing. So we hit turn five in that yep. game. We were really rushing, trying to get the turn done, and the opponent wanted their yep. turn. So yep. we were, we were trying to like, okay, do this, do yep. this, do this. All right, move to shooting phase, and we yep. went to shooting phase before you made and sure then that went everything to charges, was, yeah. and then looked back, and they had a unit of prosecutors coming in, and we weren't within three yeah. inches to contest. Once they killed two guys, yes. so that whole unit that could have been ten bodies that there was no way they were going to get through ended up four inches out yeah. from the objective. Well, the remaining savage orcs got killed off the other objective in the combat phase, and we measured, and they're like, "Oh yeah, we get this point." And Tom and I were kind of we're like. <laughs> no, we we should should have retconned. Yeah, uh, you're now that's our first edit. You guys you're, got me to swear on the mic. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's uh, right. Super fun, good finish. A um, couple other teams from the the Games Workshop, our local shop, uh, Heath and Mark were um, second order team, finished top ten, I think, and then um, Dave and Brendan also were were in the top. Uh, 15 so a good showing for games workshop greenfield um and it's going to be cool to keep playing with those guys and tune in our list and actually get some of that club experience going uh, as as we head into future tournaments because that's really like you were kind of talking about is you know the repetition and playing and getting used to your army and the you know it's it's a chess match it's they move and you have to counter so um, the more we play, the better we'll get. And next year, Tom and I hope to have a, a better showing. But overall, thirtieth out of sixty-eight, we'll we'll take it. It's awesome. Um, and that was our warm-up for the next two yeah. days. The Age of Sigmar Grand Tournament uh, ran three games on Saturday, two games on Sunday, so a five-game. Um, I think a hundred and six players showed up. Saturday morning to start rolling dice. Um, 2,000 point uh, lists, you know, standard general's handbook, match play um, event. 
um, pitch battles. Um, should I run through my five opponents and kind of? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Because uh, which up, is but. so? What's interesting is we were all off doing our own thing. So we would swing down and check in on on Ty and Tom and see how they're doing, see if they needed refreshment, and uh, in between when we were running, we, at this time we were running most of the Space Hulk events at that time. So, um, but it was so it was kind of the trying to bounce back and forth and see how each other were doing and, and check in at the end of the day we would check in on you know in the team tournament and see how people did and things like that so this is good so even for us we're hearing how these went the first yeah. time too so i was definitely we can ask questions yeah yeah i was yeah. definitely ping-ponging between the two so yeah yeah and uh tom tom brought his iron jaws i brought my um mixed destruction beast claw raiders and savage orcs um and we weren't really sure what to expect because we really haven't played anyone else or any other armies it's just been destruction versus destruction lots of death and uh you know <laughs> throwing dice in our basement when we get mad because that's what brothers do <laughs> very competitive um so a lot of the lists we were seeing we hadn't played against we're we're up on the meadow we read the war scrolls but until you see what a, a army can do on the tabletop and play against it you don't really know so we felt we felt like we were flying into the tournament a little blind so you and Tom, when you're playing over in BOD East, you guys don't practice your sportsmanship? No, not at all. Okay. No, yeah, Maybe sportsmanship's out the window. Yeah. I've just gotten several texts where it's like, <laughs> yeah. oh, Tom's mad at me, or but what's oh, nice, Ty's being a dick, or What's nice to see is oh, we, oh, boop. when we get into a scenario you know, against people that aren't related yeah. to us and outside of our, our own game, we, we create a, a great experience. That's good. So we, we know how to play nice, just not against each other. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's a good thing we joked that round five we might end up against each other. We ended up about four <laughs> tables <laughs> apart. Um, but the trajectory we had to get there was, was somewhat similar. Um, so I started Saturday morning, round one. I lined up against the free guild, the free peoples, um, kind of empire remnants, uh, gun line. Like two or three organ guns, a cannon, and a, a 60... 230 blocks of handgunners, so it's 16 inch range. Um, and I I said going into the tournament, there's going to be two types of lists I really struggle against. One is a gun line where I will get shot off the table, and the other is going to be um, a very aggressive Tomb Kings or Mirror, mirror style list that tries to get the charge and, and put wounds on me. So I saw this and I said, oh boy, here we go. Um, ended up playing a really great game though. My opponent, Carson uh, Carson Burns, Younger guy, he's probably 22, 23 years old. Um, he manages. He's the other manager at Games Workshop, uh, Downers Grove. Yeah. So you <laughs> so, had a, it had a lockdown yeah. for Downers Grove. Yeah, I managers. played. I played Adam Pyle and, and Carson, both of the managers from the Downers Grove GW store. Um, I weathered the storm. Then I got close and destroyed him. Um, ended up, you know, near tabling uh, him. Picked up twenty eight of the thirty points max. I. <laughs> I intentionally battle turn five didn't pick up the full tertiary because <laughs> I didn't want to go up against the other 30 point right. max scores. Cause I knew that would be where yeah. I would, I wanted to warm up to yeah. that point. So, um, scored 28 points could have scored 30, but opted to keep it in there. check. <laughs> um, had a really great time. And then from there I, I moved up a few tables and in game two, Lined up against a um, Bloodbound Corn Demon list. Um, Ryan Nickel, he's at Lord Barian on Twitter. Um, fantastic painter, 
does a lot of 40k. Um, I think 40k combat patrol, he won one of the best appearances. His corn stuff looked great. Um, <clears throat> when we sat down, offered him a beer, took it. We ended up buying each other another drink after turn one, turn three. So it was just a very laid back from the game. Um, awesome opponent, probably my favorite game of, you know, of the eight that I played uh, over the weekend. Um, follow each other on Twitter now and just kind of, he asked me how the West, rest of the tournament went and we've, you know, shared some messages. Um, and, and that game, I walked away with a major win scoring 26 points. So not max, but close. Um, so I was having, Solid. I was having a good day. Um, and that led me into round three where I played Mitch Cowan. He's MC one gamer on YouTube, does a lot of YouTube videos about the hobby and about Warhammer. He's occasionally on Warhammer weekly, um, and has a, a really good presence. Um, he had a death army with Heinrich Kemmler, the Lich Master, um, one of the Coven wagons and a mortise engine, so some of the big death um, engines, and a Morangol, and a ton of zombies. So yeah. I knew I knew this army, and it was themed like one of the Bretonian uh, baronies. Yeah, so it, was it was super cool looking. Blood Knights, a lot of summoning, a lot of board control, and a lot of regeneration. And my army, I can kill a lot of things, but when they come back, I kind of struggle to continue to kill them again and again. So I knew this game was going to be uh, a very tough game, and I would have to get a little, a little sneaky to pull it out. Um, in turn three, I was able to get a charge. Around. I had gotten behind him with my Frostlord and came in from the back towards the objective ended up within six inches so i denied him scoring that turn and i scored that turn and the objectives in turn two were two points three three points four four points so by denying him those three points if i kept my objective i was going to have the majority points and win a major so then i just turtled up for turns four and five and ended up um getting out of there with i think another 26 points um major win against mitch um, he was a great guy, uh, a lot of fun to play against. Um, we spent a lot of time just talking by this point. I had had a few more beers. I think I swung, <laughs> um, I, I swung down and, and handed you a couple. So, um, very cool though. Fun, fun to play. Um, Mitch ended up finishing seventh overall. Uh, he managed to put up, um, enough points with secondary tertiary, um, objectives to not be out of the running and then won his next two on Sunday uh, handily um, to finish seventh overall. And he was one of the 12 nominated for best appearance. So um, check him out on, on YouTube online, uh, MC one gamer. Um, and then day one, I was sitting with a three and O record um, kind of dreading where I was going to be <laughs> Sunday morning uh, after, you know, near, near max points and three wins um tom went i was gonna uh, say yeah, tom also he he played well i think he was um two and one at the end of day one he'd won two games uh then lost one um got got a pretty rough matchup in round two and um i think it was round two and he was sitting at two and one so they didn't put the pairings up Saturday night. They waited till Sunday morning for the pairings. Um, but I was anticipating being top 10 tables. I wasn't quite sure, you know, how many 30 point max players there were. Um, and we went Sunday morning, we got our pairings and I was on table five. So I 
day one, I was top 10, ninth or 10th, uh, overall, which was pretty cool. Um, you know, for really my first major, uh, grand tournament, first tournament was last year's AdeptCon without comp. And I should have stopped there. I should have just said, <laughs> okay, no, that's no. where I am. I'm going home. Um, I came up against, uh, Sunday morning, Thomas Lyons. He's on Warhammer weekly. Um, he is, uh, I'd say one of the sharper American list builders as far as how they know the meta and what he does with list construction. And he had a list that really had never been um, talked about online or on any of the podcasts. It was a uh, Chaos Warrior Nurgle formation that had Sail the Faithless where he could fly these warriors forward. Warriors have two wounds. They have three up saves, five up ward saves, re-rolling. Um, and when I would roll a six to wound, they'd do a mortal wound back. So he had only three three units to deploy, so he got to go first. He flew the warriors up in a box kind of around my um, my army, boxed me in, and I, I had to scramble to get a minor loss. So I walked away from that game with um, five points, uh, a little different than the first three rounds. Um, and he, he ended up going after that win, playing on table two. Uh, I ended up going to table 10 for my, my game. So I'm still top 20. I'm like, okay, table 10. Um and that's where I came upon a Tomb Kings list with Cetra and 12 Necrotech uh, knight, Knights, the, the Snake Riders. Mm-hmm. Um, I played Kyle Western. Kyle is uh, part of the Detroit Wargaming Club that um, several of the preeminent American players, like Brad Schwant, who won Wapaka, who won Best Destruction, mm-hmm. won the team tournament. Um, Sean Clark, who plays a Tomb Kings list that was Best Death overall. And Tyler Mengel, uh, best appearance at Adopticons out of that group. So they have a very competitive um, kind of leading edge of the American scene right now. And he's like, I play against this list all the time. I, you know, I said, oh, let's have a good game. I proceeded <laughs> to, to fail three charges in turn one, which left my Frost Lords on Stonehorns in the middle exposed. And then I couldn't even soften up the enemy with my Thunder Tusk because I rolled two ones on my shooting attack that needs a two up to hit each of them. So I failed three charges, which I think Matt ran the, Dan ran the math for me, <laughs> what I rolled and what I needed. I needed seven inch charges and I failed three of them. Yeah. Um, I think it's a less than 2% chance you actually you fail those three, three charges. Uh, <laughs> and then roll the ones on top of that for my shooting. So I was I was totally exposed and, and out there and I got jumped and those those Necro Necrotech Knights hit just incredibly well, do a lot of damage. And it was one of those where after turn one I, I said, let's let's play turn two. We don't need to. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but he's like, Yeah, let's and I said I my general's dead, I can't get my secondary. Um tertiary's objective control at the end of the game i'm not going to be on the table at the end of the game he ended up with a 30 nothing major win against me um i make those charges i make those shots maybe i you know i I mix it up a little bit and it's competitive but i i left nothing uh to protect and he he exploited that um he ended up finishing uh eighth overall so i played three of the top 10 finishers in the grand tournament in rounds three four and five um and really great one, guys. And you beat one of them. Yeah, I beat Mitch um, yeah. in in round three. 
uh, I was in great position for day two, but now I've learned, you know, it's, that's, that's where you really got to have your focus. Right. You can't be tired, hungover. Cause by, <laughs> five, I was, um, it might've been out with the envelope guys until two ish in the morning, <laughs> uh, drinking cocktails. I thought there was a 1230 curfew. Yeah, that's what, what I saw. 1230 curfew. We, we went up to bed at. 12 and then or 11 30 no we were in bed like i changed in the shorts thomas in sweats and brian brian says we're back at the hotel bar i said oh man we're calling at night he goes come on down for one i said okay all right one turns into so then we're sitting there until the bar closes and then we sit in some chairs with our last cocktails and just hang out um until <laughs> 230 240 i don't know it was it was rough trouble i don't think it would have helped me any um it, w- it wouldn't have made your charges no it wouldn't have made my charges <laughs> game game four against thomas i yeah. might have figured out um you know yeah. a way to punch through or get out yeah. of the trap um but i would not i would have been destroyed his matchup was then against uh the guy that won it um can't think of his name but he was playing a zinch chaos list on table two <laughs> who just vaulted ahead with a huge win over thomas and uh in round five to win it all. Um, but yeah, so, and then Tom won one and lost one. So he ended up three and two. Um, I think he technically had a draw one of those games. Yeah. They, they called it a, a draw, yeah. but Tom was in a position to win, but being the, the, you know, upstanding young gentleman that he is, um, gave the guy a draw. Yeah. Um, I finished 40th out of the field of 106. Um, I think there were 80 players in, that stuck around for day two. There was a 20 some that played just the one day. Um, Tom finished three spots behind me, 43. I think I had eight or nine more battle points than he did. He picked up one point on paint. He had a 24 paint score and I had a 23. I'm still a little mind boggled about (laughs) how how that happened. Um, He flirted with the paint judge as we were talking and um, (laughs) that could do it. And then, uh, Sportsmanship, we each put up, you know, 30. I put up 37, he put up 40. So I think he had one more favorite game, but 40 is the max sportsmanship points. So felt really good, had a good top half. Um, you know, I, I dabbled in the top tables. I was yeah. I was in the top 10 after day one. Uh, so those would be my glory days. Now, next year when I go finish 70th or something. <laughs> um, but uh, definitely want to play a lot more games. That was kind of a, a long, long winded explanation of the tournament. But it was super fun, great scene, awesome just to see the hobby grow um, and how many. You know, last year's Age of Sigmar tournament, the grand tournament, had 48 players. This year there was 106 and uh, 68 teams for the team tournament. So um, more than doubled in, in size. The community came out. And there's a lot of momentum, a lot of talk from the GW community team with different TOs in different areas and getting people to start running some more of these GTs to create a scene here um, that, you know, will will lend itself to even more competitive play and uh, more opportunity for competitive gamers to, to get some Sigmar. And Sigmar showed it's gotten to that point now where it is a competitive miniature game. It's um, the three ways to play is accurate. Match play is for real and it's on the map um, and will continue to be a mainstay at, a, at Adepticon. Yeah, and... It- and I think overall, like as you talked about, I think you you learn the different levels of competitive gaming, right? Like there's, I mean, the tournament I was in, but even the le- levels of that of, you know, you need to you need to know your army. I mean, that's like 
the first step. I mean, you can go in and it's like, oh, I haven't played this in forever, and you're never, you're not going to get a lot of success out of that. But if you know at least you've played enough, you know your army, like the back of your hand, and and you know what it can do. That's like step one, and then that next step is that you've played your army enough that you know, and when you get into different situations. Mm-hmm. Now I have a plan A, B, and C, right? And I yeah. think that's the net next level, like you saw, right? And it's where, all right, this guy puts me in a box. So, you know, what what do I, what do I do against this? So, and, and if you played the hundred games that some of these guys right. have, they're like, oh, well, I know if I do have used this strategy, I can counter this. And even some of the list stuff, right? Playing mm-hmm. so many different kinds of lists, you know, I need to come out like that. And something like I was talking about is like, I always would run my. I always run my overlord with my lich guard. That was kind of like what I did out of the box. And when I look at it, I'm like, oh, you know, in this scenario, I maybe should have run my lord with my with a scoring unit so that I could be more mobile or encounter some of the things we do. But that's all like playing over and over again and having yeah. more options to do, right? And so that's kind of that next level of, like you talked about, just these guys that are playing these club games or... And they're not even probably sometimes not even playing full games. They're just getting like, oh, let's try this and see what it does. Turns we know how this is going to turn out, and then you just have more tools in your toolbox to to do it right. Right. One one really cool thing too about the tournament is is just the people that I connected Mm -hmm. with and some of these guys that run different tournaments in different areas. And um, you know, Thomas said, "Yeah, send me list ideas, bounce stuff around. You know, work work on that." edge of the meta where you can interact with some of these guys see what they're doing um and then locally um brendan uh one of the guys from our gw shop finished i think 24th or 25th with sylvaneth um and we've been already talking what can we do at the at the shop to get a you know league or some type of regular gaming going on because there's always pickup games and stuff but um as we had the tournaments just to the classic steel, the steel sharpened steel, steel, right? You know, yeah, play, to get- play some of these great players um, locally to improve your own skill to go and have a good showing at at these tournaments, for sure. So, um, with that being said, the tournaments are only part of the spectacle of Adepticon. When we come back from a very short break, we will dive into uh, kind of a, a full overhead 30,000 foot view of Adepticon. So this year in Schaumburg, Illinois, Adepticon did something groundbreaking with their swag bag. They offered it to a premier badge status. Now, because that's how the basement of death rolls, Troy and I, Went with the premier option. Yep. Uh, so what we can do is we can tell you about all the good, cool stuff that we got in the swag bag. In yep. addition to anything else you ordered to pick up. So I got my pint glass, I got my t-shirt, I got my hoodie, and then I got my swag bag. Yep. So I, and I have to admit a little bit we're so we're standing in line because the adept kind of if you're regist- if you're there to register right at the seven o'clock mark, there's usually there's a line. It's not too bad, um, but. What happens is the VAG, if you do get a VAG badge, you get to be in a special line and you get to go in first. Um, and we were kind of hating a little bit as we were watching the VAG people come out with their <laughs> arms full of stuff because they had, and that, um, foreshadowing the first thing we had, is everyone got a copy of, well, at least we saw the VAGs walk out, copy of the brand new Fantasy Flight 
Rune Wars miniature game. About three or four weeks before it hits. Retail. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, it's not out yet. And but what's funny is we're saying line. You could literally see there were pallets of this game stacked up all over. And John and I are like, hmm, I don't know. Like this seems like are VAGs just getting it. They're like, oh yeah, the VAGs must just get it. Um, but it's like, boy, it looks like there's more than whatever. But what ended up is anybody with a premier badge, and I don't know, maybe anybody at all, but it's just <laughs> they just wanted to give it to everybody. Um, so a bunch of if you had we so we got all got a copy of the Rune Wars. You know, I didn't yeah. have a premiere badge, and I walked up and I said, "Can I get Rune Wars?" And they just handed me a copy. Yeah, so see? that was kind of cool. That's how it works. Yeah, because they had That's like pallets true. and That's pallets. Totally not true. I think they would have done it though. You should have asked because <laughs> there were pallets and pallets of that game. Of that well, game I got better. a copy, and I'll sell it to you for seventy five dollars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like pass. You no, get that's my a deal. eBay. That's a deal. Sixty. Man. 65 still, it's yours yeah still profit 40 <laughs> all right so rune wars is in the uh the premiere bag yep and then you also got uh man a couple of hardcover well the hardcover um privateer press yep. we're discussing we're not sure if it's war machine or hordes because i didn't we, look hard uh, enough at it yeah reasons i pulled it out i'm like oh that's a cool book <laughs> and threw it aside i went through i actually went through the swag bag um yesterday <laughs> i hadn't looked through it at all at because i went took it directly out to my trunk threw it all in the car didn't look through it and i looked through it yesterday is what i found out was in my in my uh my bag <laughs> um awesome so it was a cool hardcover um privateer press book the program guide was pretty impressive this year um yep yeah there was a program guide that i'm looking at right now um they also had the um a number of small different miniatures mostly pewter different game sets yeah and everyone also did walk out with the it's active minds games is they had a little a, a carrying case and it, it's a multi-purpose it's um, like a display case carrying case yeah, that stacks so, and yeah and basically the thing is it's stackable like it's a small i don't know how to describe it what's that the size of it it's like probably about four or five inches by about 14 or so maybe long 14 yeah. 15 inches long mm-hmm. and probably about the same four inches or so deep um but the idea is that you can put magnets in it and use it as a miniature display case paint case um, and then you can link them together. They kind of snap together, so you could have. If you need more space, you can buy more. Like, and they were only running. I think they were about ten bucks a piece. Yeah, and there was like spacers. Like a, you could like you know make compartments and yeah, stuff. So um, yeah, I, I kind of an interesting idea. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I like the idea of if I give everybody one, odds are most people will want more than one. So yeah, <laughs> so it was, it was something there. There. So that was that. Um, and the other thing, just before we is the VIGs also got, I believe GW gave all of them a hard, a hard cover, a hard case, yeah. a miniature case, which was totally, again, <clears throat> we were also hating on those people too. Like, dang, <laughs> I should have got VIG. I didn't do VIG this yeah, year. Yeah, maybe next year we do VIG. And, and, and I would, I, again, I would recommend it too. If you're, if you're willing to spend the money, you usually get more than your money's worth of you spent back. And again, we still did for the premier badge, um, but VIG also, you basically usually get more extras back than, than what you spend. Yeah, um, definitely the product we walked away with when you think about the cost of, say, one of those miniatures is $10 mm-hmm. and the case $10. I mean, we yep. got hundreds of dollars of product out of that bag. Yep. Um, included, you know, there was Knuckle Duster, the, the Old West uh, kind of 28 millimeter pewter. Um, weird Miniatures put a um, mystery, mystery box. box. 
I got a doctor for yeah. um Yeah, that's usually at least a twenty dollar value, usually yeah. depending on what you got in the mystery, but the average is probably about twenty twenty bucks. Um Wreckage had one of the, the dirt bikes because they added vehicles to yep. their post apocalyptic skirmish. They game. have a Kickstarter coming out soon, right? I believe. Yep, yep. Um, and I think they had a little thing on the back saying, Hey, stop by our booth to get for the, the rider, rider. <laughs> which was smart. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, hey, hey here, here's the here's the bike, but you got to stop by us to get the, the guy on Yeah, I'll, I'll be using the bike as scatter terrain or something for Batman, I think, because nice. it's the same scale. Oh, that's cool. So, um, and then they also had a sprue of plastic. It was bolt action. I'm not sure which faction, but it was. Uh, a, I think a it was random. So between John and us, we each got a different. So depending on oh, what okay. you're, it was okay. a, a variety of different miniatures. So I think he got a flames of war sprue. I got a bolt action sprue. Sounds like you got a bolt. Yeah, action. I got a bolt so, action. Yeah, yeah, so it sounds like war, um, warlord, right? Yeah, warlord was just it was a, a random sprue from one of their games that was um, in there some some bases what i was i think the thing that i was happiest to see outside of rune wars was elric's hobbies had five of the uh 40 millimeter resin bases again it was random so depending on if you oh, got 40s you lucked out i, I, think, got, I the, got i think i got 20 i, I think, got the big lava ones yeah. which will work perfectly for um my art the way i've been yeah. doing my cork basing for my arctic stuff um, so yeah, I got, I got five yeah. really nice. Yeah, I think I have a, well, I probably have a back bag of 10, but I think they're the 25, 28 okay. millimeter ones. But again, Elric's hobbies, we like their local kind of Northern Illinois, Wisconsin area. Um, awesome resin bases and other stuff that they do. So, um, flames of war, fourth edition rule book, uh, the yep. small, just when we so try and get out. Yeah, they throw the new edition game in. up and like, yeah. oh, now I have a free rule book. I guess I should maybe put my miniatures together and play with them. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then the last thing that I pulled out that I was like, huh, another one of these. Because last year I got, they have the 10-pack of the Micro Arts uh, Studios that Cool Mini or Not's kind of doing the plastic bases with the inserts. I got the Derelict, so they're mm-hmm. like the ship bottom. What stinks is they're 30 mil, so they mm-hmm. don't really work for... Um, Space Hulk or for 40k because they're a couple millimeters. You could pretend they're 32s. You kind yeah, and you can do something with theirs. You could actually use them as like a topper, depending if you wanted to have like a thicker base. You could put them on top of a 32 and yeah. then use like green stuff to kind of blend it in a little bit to, to fill up the little <clears throat> bit of gap. So I think they're very usable. Yeah, you can use them kind of in there because they, but they are because they're insert. They kind of not the normal by themselves they're not the right they're not yeah. quite there quite the yeah. normal size it takes, takes a little extra hobby in the to make you can work. do it but they're pretty cool and they're i think they're pretty good price point too if i remember right yeah. um so yeah that that was kind of the contents of my swag bag there was a couple paints too i don't know off brand um, uh i think badger usually throws one in there and then the ms is it msp which i think is the reaper brand that sounds right um, something like that i think i got a purple from them mm-hmm. Maybe see if I can paint some Gene Steelers or something. <laughs> um, and then you guys, uh, Troy, you and John, had the benefit of attending um, one of the Games Workshop studio previews on Wednesday night. Yeah, so we... Break that down for us. So we went, we were standing in line, we registered at 7, and there was also, because we were standing in line until almost 8, and so it was like, oh no, are we going to be able to get into the stuff? Um, we got through uh, probably about quarter two or so to eight the line was ridiculous so they had two lines one for people who had because there was a little confusion of like how did you even get to go in because they did sell tickets but then they tell you didn't need tickets um but that whole upper level um 
by the foray up there was full all the way back to the stairs uh, with people. So, um, and there was two lines and basically John was standing in line and then I went and I dropped off all the 80 bags of stuff and three copies of rune wars that we had back at the room. And then I came like, if I don't get in, I don't get in. No big deal. I'll just see if there's room. Um, so I'm in one of the, John gets in cause he had a ticket. I'm get to the door basically. So there's, I was one of the last 12 people probably in the room. The good news is I'm waiting by the door to get in. Um, there's all the staff guys there, including Duncan Rhodes. And so I had a quick, that was the first time I kind of, he's kind of, again, super friendly guy. Just kind of said, hi, shook his hand, said, hey, how are you doing? And then I got to, and, he's, and I got to sneak in the room and got a seat in there. Um, the energy was tremendous. I, I, I can't, I mean, you've seen all the stuff that they talked about and previewed online somewhere already, if you care. Um, but what you didn't get to see was just the, the energy level of having GW inter- engaged back with the community. And Andy Smiley was the one who kind of emceed it and talked about it. His attitude and just how he kind of, again, it's kind of this new GW. He even had a slide that came up and said that the new GW as he was, again, they were, t- they all are kind of tongue in cheek. They, un- they know exactly what we say about them, right? They, they're listening to us, <laughs> right? So they do things that are, you know, they, and, uh, and so they had a nice, uh, very kind of humorous slide presentation about what stuff was going on. I think everybody's seen the drop pod um, leaks for the next the new edition of 40K. Um, and Andy Smiley, again, he, and he talked about, again, the new GW and how they're here and how they've... What's interesting is, like, they've always been here. Like, Andy's like, well, I've been here playing for the last couple of years. I just wasn't here officially, right? He was here, whether through Forge World or something else like that. Um, the really cool um, thing they're doing with Scroll Builder, yep. they announced that they had Tony there. Again, the reception was was cool. Um, and then they then they were really pushing the the Shade Spire, their new game that's coming out, which is really kind of that competitive miniature slash card collectible kind of interesting. You know, so I think they're going for a really different market with that what, game. Yeah, what what looks really cool from what I've seen is that. Um, that game has its own complexity and mm-hmm. it, it's going to be tactical, but it, it's a point of entry to the rest of their world mm-hmm. for, um, you know, somebody who's younger and, and it's much easier to buy that and some cards or four or five miniatures for your war band than it is to go and buy a couple hundred dollar army, you know, or $300 yep. army, but it's a great entry point and they get a broader audience, uh, especially here in the States where that card yep tactical play is much more popular whereas in europe and in the uk the miniature gaming is very yep. popular yeah and um it was interesting i was talking to somebody i won't name drop um and i was you know we we're talking about who is this targeted at and I, I think it was interesting he brought up was x it's probably like that x-wing gang people you know it's kind yeah. of the people that are looking for kind of this miniature tactical game but they're not all the way in on the hobby and everything else. So I, I, I think it'll be interesting. And the other thing that somebody brought up too um, that I didn't notice was uh, female... Um, female Stormcast. Stormcast, yeah. yeah. So that's huge. I think there's a lot of people, again, especially women gamers, there's, and there's a small minority of people who are doing that, right, in Asia, Asia Sigmar. Or, but there's more and more all the time. Um, I didn't think about that, but there was a huge appeal factor there. Just all of a sudden, as a female gamer, she sees a female storm cast and like, okay, she's all in. Right. Mm-hmm. Some of that. So, uh, and then we, so we, we did that. Um, 
again, I can't talk more about how Andy Smiley, like they did, they showed us the Shadespire kind of demo movie um, and then, and took questions. Um, and there's always those people in the room, right, who are making kind of jabs. But what was funny is how, again, Andy had heard every one of the comments that these guys, they're talking about, are like, oh, are you guys going to support this? Or when, you know, you're only going to do this and then you're going to drop support. And, um, and he always had a good comeback, a really funny comeback for all these kind of guys who were trying to, you know, kind of give him crap for, for stuff like that. So I, I think it was, again, really funny, really good energy. And then we went over, they said so they had a whole other room. You left the demo room and went to the room next door. And they, the, all the staff had set up, I don't even know, probably a couple dozen of the Shadespire game, demo games out. And so John and I sat down and we, um, Robin Krudich is, all of a sudden I looked up, I'm like, you know, and, and read his Tomb name King tag. himself. Yeah. <laughs> um, he wrote 8th edition uh, Tomb King army book yeah so i mean I, he's given us the demo and then all of a sudden i kind of look up and read his name tag and like oh you're like and like oh robin kruich is giving me the demo for uh for shadespire ah. this is pretty cool um so it was pretty we just played like one turn just to get kind of a feel for the rules and and stuff like that and uh yeah i think it was interesting and again, the models are off the charts right they're really cool but kind of like they did for you know some of their starter sets they're all they're kind of the push they're calling it push pin Stuff like that, so it shouldn't have you know, it shouldn't be able to just assemble them without glue, basically, to get them on the table quick and, and play with them. But they still have that you know GW detail and, and stuff like that. So, um, so really cool. I mean, I can't. Uh, it was by Wednesday night. I'm like, this is this could this is like one of the highlights of my con, and we haven't even started yet, right? That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, it was just you know, okay. I already had you know, wasn't washing my hand because I shook hands with Duncan. <laughs> <laughs> um, just seeing the staff interact and, and again, getting kind of that first view of, of the, some of the, the 40 K demo stuff. And then the new shade spire thing was kind of interesting. So Troy's hand was gross by Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and that really was kind of the, the kickoff to the rest of the weekend. I mean, definitely I spent most of my time in the age of Sigmar hall, uh, doing the competitive tournament gaming thing. Um, but, uh, you guys, um, Space Hulk ran a couple of games Friday and a couple Saturday. Yep. So, like I said, I, Thursday, just like yeah, that was one that we talked about the 40k that I did. Um, my Friday and Saturday were heavily, um, almost all day from, I shouldn't say it. We started around two o'clock on Friday because we went kind of even or afternoon, evening, and Friday. Um, and that's where we ran kind of the new scenario that we did um, and ran that to had pretty much full games on, on both of those. We actually did turn up the crank a little bit between game one and game two. John and I were still tweaking it to make it a little harder for the Marines um, to get to, but um, really, you know, I think we, I think the group had fun, um, looked pretty good um, and, and, uh, and, and got through it. So I think it was, it was a blast. Um, Saturday, uh, we were really excited because we had the independent character guys, Carl and Adon, and uh and aaron um were on there when that was they were there at, i think we did 10 o'clock and something like that and and it was that was just a blast it was those guys are, are so nice and so cordial and uh again we had people and people walking up to talk to carl and adon and when they recognized them and things like that um and we ended up having an epic game um last year carl or two years ago when they played um carl had gotten kind of wiped out this year the end was basically the ultramarine chaplain who he was running against the broodlord in a just round after round battle to get there. And it came down to a one feel no pain, four plus die roll that 
Carl didn't make to, oh. to get the thing to get, but um, <laughs> I think it was an yeah epic. It was an epic game. It, it worked out again. That that scenario was pretty balanced and worked out pretty good. Aaron was running the uh, I think he was running the great no he was running the Templar. Yes, I think yeah. On I think on this thing. Oh no, I should no. Adon, Adon was, was running, running the Templar. Templar yeah, yeah running Templar. Right. It was Great Knights. Uh, Aaron was running Great Knights. Um, but he got wiped out, but was able to get the extra turns that they needed because that basically Carl almost won it on turn 17 and if they wouldn't have had the extra turns to get it so i think and the same thing i think and uh i think adon also made he was also running the guys that were getting the extra turns on the thing too so nice and i think the blood angels got mopped up they got beat up man you gotta you gotta do something for that squad Uh, we (laughs) did they need something from the angels blade book uh you're running that base base Blood Angel squad. No, I actually souped him up because yeah. we, we we don't we souped him up. So I'm blaming the player on that one. The so. uh, the ultramarine in the room has no love for the Blood Angels. <laughs> I know how it is. But it was really good. And it was good to see like um, Aaron. I mean, he's a really good space hawk player. Um, he, it was interesting how he see him really work at it. Um, and then I think Ben was hanging around too, and it was fun to see how Adon plays like how he very much is a planner and a small like I mean as I think his background is kind of really small arms and small small group combat kind of things so it was interesting like a lot of people like when they play space they move their model and then they move the next model whatever Adon would basically kind of look at it kind of plan out what all five guys are going to do and then everybody moved you know and then he moved them all and, and, and one after another very quick you know so he kind of made the whole plan and then would execute it to come out so it was really fun um so that was that was a blast we were we we're kind of you know totally uh spent by the time we got to the saturday afternoon um but i think you know tons of success and uh in the second game then we had uh dan um yeah yeah who yeah. came a local guy who who came over and played it so it was again fun to i think that was the one we weren't completely full so i think john ended up playing the the tyranid guys on on that one uh, so i think he played the side against dan and, and yeah the, exactly. the other guys so yeah ended up working good again i think they actually won so i go the the morning one they lost by a die roll in the afternoon the marine players actually ended up winning it um, and Dan term seventeen. And Dan played the Black Templar. Black Templar. Yeah, and he and got he, the extra turn. And he got extra turn. Yes. So it was well uh, done, Dan. It was good. Um, it was awesome. So yeah, that was that was cool. yeah. So that was that was Space Hulk. Um, and then uh, I know some of the Weiss crew um, did some zombie side. Uh, helped. Is it cool mini or not? That was Simon. Was yep. it there? Yeah. So Simon. So I think they ended up. Two, I think John and John ended up going one one night. That might have been Friday. Um, they was playing, and then I think Ben ended up, Ben and Mandy ended up playing it Saturday afternoon. Um, and uh, I think John John had a little bit of feedback in that they were the scenario they're running was still under under uh, development. So <laughs> I think they ended up like when John played, they ended up playing twice because they got wiped out so fast. Um, and even the guy said when he was talking to him that they, he was still kind of tweaking it to run it on con so it's like well you are running out of con since you already tweaked it um <laughs> so it's like that but the, he already did and then when mandy and ben played on saturday um they had made a few changes and i think they also had some better luck than john's crew did on that but um i think they all had fun and something like that but i think it just kind of shows like zombicide as you're building the scenarios you still have to worry as you add different mechanic you know different card sets and models and things you have to the balance can shift very quickly and so you really got to kind of play out the scenarios to see how they're gonna 
how they're going to run. In the end, it's a dice game, kind of like space. Like it's a dice game and there's some luck involved. So you, sometimes things go totally south or totally great. But in the end, there's a kind of a middle ground to make sure you at least you have a balanced scenario. So, um, and then on, I think was it Saturday or Sunday? Um, ben must've been Saturday, right? Cause I think that was the last, um, Ethereum demo. So Ben went and played in the, uh, the ResX Ethereum, uh, event that they did down there. Oh, um, cool. and he had a, yeah, he had a blast. That was the first time I think he had been like hands-on with Ethereum. He's heard us talk about it and stuff like that. Um, and, uh, so he, he was kind of hooked. I think he really got, uh, understands why we think it's a really cool game and has kind of that, uh, and as he talked about, right, is you, you learn all the stuff and then you're like, oh, shoot, now I got to be able to move the board and think about moving the board, too, because there's a whole <laughs> different level of strategy there. So uh-huh. that was good. And I think he sees in a few pictures. If you look on the Anvil 8 uh, Facebook page, you'll see Ben's little head on in there somewhere. <laughs> so. Nice. Uh, and then Saturday night, yeah, I'm pretty sure Saturday night, um, Ben ended up, Ben played in, he's an old time, the, he's the one that got me, him and John got me into the old 40K epic. Um, so it's like it's Epic Armageddon is the rule set that's still still out there. Um, and so he played in a little, an event that where the guy provided miniatures. He was able to say, hey, I don't have an, I'm not going to bring an army with me from Texas. Can you supply something? And he, the guy supplied some stuff. So he did, I think it was just like a two, two and a half hour, three hour event. Um, but it was enough to kind of get his, get his uh, feet wet again and, and Epic and have fun and with that rule set. And so It'll be interesting to see. I know that that everybody says Adeptus Titanicus is coming down the pipe from GW, so that, yeah, that could I revive. Would be surprised to see that see that back. Um, it, it's it's always really interesting to see what GW kind of shows and what what's coming next. Like we're getting that Shadow War. Is it Shadow War Armageddon or? Um, I think that's right. I was between Shadow Shadespire and Shadow yeah. War and whatever yeah. the. Um, the same what's the then there's also an age of sigmar type skirmish game out there too i think that they that they're talking silver about. spire well that's like the warhammer quest stuff that's out warhammer there, quest, there. silver yeah. tower and then silver tower yeah uh, yep. shadows under hammer hall yeah but, but they, i think they, there's also a there's also a skirmish game we'll, that the we'll box see. set that they kind of I think <laughs> there's too many there. things going yeah. on we'll see yeah <laughs> um yeah so so definitely gw's knocking out of the park uh adepticon's knocking out of the park Troy, I would say we should hold off on your last event because that—that's really what we should bring it home with today. Yes. So, um, I, and I and I, I I have it here at the bottom too. So we'll. Um, Thursday night, what was kind of fun is uh, Troy and John, myself, and then Tom met us out. We ended up going out with the Anvilate crew, uh, Doctor Gabe, mm-hmm. um, and uh, also Aaron from uh, Weird Miniatures, their their lead designer for uh, pizza at Giordano's had a couple of mm-hmm. tables pushed together, sat at the bar, ate some great pizza, talked about games, talked about, you know, just talked it, about it, basketball. Cause basketball. we were watching the college, <laughs> college hoops was on. It's a really great time. Tom got there, had a few more drinks, um, before we went parted, parted ways. Um, but really great time with them. Spent a lot of time with them. You know, we once again, caught up with them a little bit on, uh, Saturday for, um, post-con drinks and yeah beverages. i'd just like to point out though on thursday night that john troy and ty crushed a large giordano's thick crust pizza well yeah, done. We, we like, crushed it yeah everybody else is pretty weak at the table but we did not leave there was nothing going home with us it was yeah. all on our bellies three, three plus pieces <laughs> each yep left room for cannoli yeah killed the cannoli i mean it was 
Good job, boys. We yeah. did. We did work. We did we, some real work. Yeah, the the basement of death uh, upheld their end of the uh, consumption, <laughs> <laughs> and that continued to be the story for most of Saturday and Saturday. Night. <laughs> um, Not necessarily pizza, but any consumption. Yeah, yeah. Um, so just really great time with Anvilate. A lot of fun. Good to talk with those guys. There was a discussion late on Saturday night about. Um, the Last Samurai and The Matrix and some other <laughs> discussions and the, the classic uh, classic hijinks that they get into. Nice. Um, did you guys all get a chance to check out the Crystal Brush, the premier painting yeah. competition? Yeah, there was a lot of great stuff there. I always try to swing over there and take a look at everything that's in the cases. Um, it, it it's always a zoo. Like there's always tons of people like crowding around and and it, it, it's it's such a great event. Like it's such a yeah. cool little thing that that Adepticon does to really bring the hobby into it, right? So yeah, no, yeah, Crystal Brush. It. I mean, I look. It's cool to see him in person. Um, and I took a lot of shots. Um, and then actually last night I was actually looking at the. If you look on the website, if you go Chris, I think it's crystalbrush.com or you can get to it through. Simon, um, they have you know the professional pictures of all the at least mm-hmm. the top ones yeah. on there, and yeah, that's that's really cool to to see all that. And yeah. again, the the top three you couldn't argue with; they were just yeah, ridiculous. I, don't, I know for sure the the space wolf with the scratch built sculpted mm-hmm. wolf that was yeah. painted uh, was one of the top three. I believe in it the was the overall. Um, then Oz, the yeah, diorama I believe that, one. That I think was that top was. Diorama, I think it, I think. it was top diorama, and I believe it was top three i think overall. it was the third overall um and it's a weird kind of um alternate oh it, it's, it's i think it yeah i think that's what helps is the, yeah. yeah it's really that alternate because you look at look at it and, you're, and then all of a sudden people oh, like oh it's wizard of oz that's the yeah, yeah. it's really cool kind of in a creepy way like, uh, <laughs> yeah and i don't think the the one that i think should have been in the top three was but there was a Nagash on the throne with all these ghouls mm-hmm. and crazy stuff that formed the throne, like metal. And there's a vampire lord. It looked like Manfred yep. von Karstein presenting at the bottom of the steps up to Nagash, just sitting laid back in his in his throne. Yeah, it I, looked awesome. Though. Yeah, and I think it was, it was one of the top three in Diorama, but I don't think it was one of the over. I don't think it was one of the overall. I'm trying to think what the other overall was. You, yeah, yeah. The, the two of the three. But again, crystalbrush.com, and you can see all the the categories and the the tops overall and again uh, i think that space wolf i remember right if that's the winner that got the guy ten thousand dollars which is yeah pretty pretty cool it's worth looking at i mean that that model and the the painting and the just the everything about that was incredible to to think that somebody with their bare hands sculpted made painted yeah. that uh, that display yeah so. so i don't want to be negative as josh is saying it's it's crazy to try and see the miniatures in person there with the cases and and i don't know what the solution is and and maybe it's just for people to have some common decency because i what i found is if you're polite and kind of don't push your way up to the front people stand and go in front of you like i, I had it happen yeah. to me once it was funny john and I think Mandy was saying the same thing where you're like, well, I'll just wait for this person to move out of the way and then I'll step up to the case. And if you wait, then somebody else will step in front of you between you and there and and kind of be, it's, I don't understand. Maybe it's just kind of the social etiquette stuff that people don't quite get. Um, And then I had another case where there was some guy 
and I don't know, he was probably a painter or something else. And he was talking to another guy trying to, and must who had a miniature in there and probably giving him some tips. But instead of like standing away from the case and talking to him about the miniature, they had to stand right in front of the case and block it from everyone else <laughs> while they had literally a, a half hour conversation. And I'm like, yeah, again, I, I, you know, minor things, but it's just, it would be nice if people figure out a way to nicely move across so that more people be able to see the miniatures and, and seem up close. So. Yeah. Friend, friend of the show, Jeremy and I uh, started at one side and worked our way across and it seemed like everyone else kind of followed suit which yeah. which worked well right. you know yeah, like right. so we could kind of take in all the miniatures and it by the end we, we were kind of looking at each other like I, i'm really glad i don't have to judge this because oh. they all look amazing yeah. like they were all really really good so uh yeah trying to <laughs> adjudicate that whole thing was uh, i i don't know how they do it so um yeah kudos to uh the winners but they were all great yeah um and then after getting to the cases in the crystal brush um there was on saturday night they always fill that front of um the hall in front of the hallways with um some of the top uh 40k team tournament displays um, we don't really need to talk about them in depth. I mean, I think the coolest one was the Space Wolf Fortress. Yeah. Um, built into the cliffside with the clouds up top, and every little bit had something coming out yeah. of one of the blast doors and an exploded land raider and smoke and yeah, lights smoke that made it with look like flame. Yeah. Oh, so cool. Um, but there were some really cool displays. I'm, I'm, there are pictures up on yeah. Adepticon's site, and I, I know. We'll have some on the Facebook page um, uh, as yep. as we add to our our gallery of our um, our experience there. Yeah, and it's just one of the one of the spectacles of Adepticon. If you don't know about it, is that the Saturday night of the team tournament, those top ones get usually displayed and out in the hallway or something else. And yeah. I would just totally recommend it's it's totally worth going down and doing a pass by and seeing because. The amount I always think like this it just shows the I mean you see it everywhere at Adepticon but the amount of creativity and passion that people put into our hobby um, that's kind of one of the, the one of the biggest displays of it is kind of that armies on parade that always happens yeah. on Saturday night so yeah for sure and then um, Troy you really you put two thin coats on your ending um, <laughs> of Adepticon <laughs> let's let's hear about the up close and personal time yep. with Duncan. So again, I had highlights all during Depticon. This it was so nice on Sunday afternoon to to kind of really top it off with one of the best highlights, which was um, it was the, basically the class of painting with Warhammer TV, which was Duncan Rhodes and and Roger, uh, who's the producer of all the Warhammer TV um, episodes. Um, so and it also was funny. It also ended up being a kind of a Space Hulk reunion from uh, from Saturday. So basically. Carl Tuttle was in that class of Don and Matt, who also played um, in our in that same game on Saturday against everybody. Um, we were all in the class, so um, and it was just really cool to. We painted one of the uh, is it Caledron, um, Caledron Car- Overlords, Caledron Overlords, one of the new. So it's not even Mal, it's released yet. A- AKA Balloon Dwarfs. The bal- <laughs> <laughs> um, so we each get that was what we were painting, and I think uh, in there, and it's not even out yet, but we I have one now at home. Um, and it was fun. I mean, Duncan has kind of walked us through all the different steps and hit hit those things. But what was really cool 
was just the conversation in the room in between why we were putting, okay, now it's base coat, right? And so for 10 minutes, everybody's base coating, but we're all kind of talking. And it was Duncan talking about his, you know, this woman's first time over on in the States and kind of was interesting, their impression of, you know, the States and Adepticon and things like that. And people asking them questions like, you know, how do you pick, pick what you're going to do and how do you get the color schemes and things like that. Uh, and also in, again, I don't want to name drop, but Dave Wytek from Garage Hammer uh, after Eleanor was also in that class. So again, hit there. And also um, uh, Ashley from 40K Radio was also sitting over there. So it was just really like the whole group within discussions of going on was really cool to 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 get that along with the painting, along with being with Duncan. And of course, I got my picture with well, with Duncan that actually Carl ended up taking, which was cool and um, <laughs> with us. So uh, just total awesome to, to get that. And, and what was really cool again, and, and I think this kind of a good way to sum it up, like uh, Roger, I think it was Roger or Duncan kind of asked like, okay, what's the, like, what's the best convention in the, you know, in the U S for whatever. And what was nice was again, we're there, but unanimously across the thing is people were like miniature gaming, this is it. Like Adepticon is it. Like, and what was interesting is then those guys are like, okay, if you're saying this is the best in the US, it's probably the best in the world because they're like, this is better than anything in the UK. Like, uh, you know, there there are the conventions in the UK, but they're like they don't have the scale and the yeah. the amount of things that they're more of the the hobby kind of like a tournament kind of things. And you know, these are the guys that were just out at LVO, right? So they've seen that too and. And so they were, it was very much interesting to get their perspective of from almost a global, like, okay, this is it. And it's just how lucky we are that we have Adepticon in our backyard. So that's awesome. Yeah. It was, it was totally, yeah. What a great highlight. What a great way to finish, finish it up. Yeah. Tom, Tom and I staggered out of the, um, (laughs) the, uh, the award ceremony for the Sigmar tournament and bumped in the Troy in the hall as we were headed to our car and Colin calling the weekend to close so got to check out his paint job here a little bit about it and the excitement on troy's face the last day of adepticon <laughs> to see troy so excited and happy coming out of that was yeah. it was awesome and kind of put a nice end cap on on the um the convention mm-hmm. Tonight on Playing and Slaying, Troy Weiss presents our um, new product. Well, not new, but older product. <laughs> older product. For the Play unique It or product. Slay It review. Uh, it is certainly unique. It's something I hadn't heard of. Um, but um, Osprey was at uh, the dealer hall in Adepticon, and this is one of their products. Troy, can you tell us and the uh, the listener a little bit about it? Sure. So I grabbed, um, it's kind of a, just a book. Um, and it's from a series called Osprey Adventure Books. Um, and these are little, I don't know, like even 40 page books, um, that are kind of like, I'd call them adventure seeds. Um, and they have a whole bunch that are out. The one I picked up and we'll talk about quick is called Bug Hunts. Um, and so it's in that, uh, it's written by Mark Latham and he basically was a, a white dwarf magazine editor. And now he's kind of a, speculative fic- fiction author that he's done like that so he definitely knows his way around gaming uh stuff like that and this the idea is these are kind of almost you know non-fiction types books about fictional things uh so bug hunts is kind of describing uh an aliens type scenario or um uh star what's the word i'm looking starship for troopers, starship troopers yeah. uh kind of universe 
Um, and they, they lay it out as kind of like, here's the story around this universe of the bugs that came and attacked and things like that. Um, but then it also has a lot of background information around, you know, okay, here's the description of all the different bugs or aliens that are attacking the different types of them. Here's the weapons that the Imperial soldier guys kind of use. Um, or colonial soldiers, depending on what you want to call it, you know, depending on what universe you want to be in, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then some, and even in some timelines. So, like, here's a fictional timeline, so you can build your, add your, you know, your battle or however you're going to do it. You know, I almost see them as something again you could take, and they're very, you know, they're role playing agnostic. There's nothing about a role playing game or anything, but they're definitely something you could take and then add those elements into whether it's a, you know, usually a role playing game that makes sense, but maybe it's also a miniature game. You want to create a miniature game that tells part of the story, do something very narrative. Um, and so it's kind of cool. So this is something I picked up. I think it was, you know, 15 bucks, something like that. Um, and then they have a lot more in the, in the range. And so they have other kind of, you know, like Chris Premis from, um, I think green, green, Ronin, green, green Ronin. Yeah. Ronin. Publishing. Um, you know, he has ones of like, there's one called elf warfare. He wrote, which again, just describes kind of elf and dwarf, Dwarf Warfare is another one they wrote. There's stuff about like a Nazi moon base by somebody else. So you can see they're all just kind of different adventure and, seeds. Yeah, that- it's really rich source material when you're when you're looking for something. Um, see, they interject names, places, things mm-hmm. in, into a campaign or into a um, a specific scenario. Sounds like they would be real good for that. Um, a lot of times you'll get a game system that does their own source books and materials. Mm-hmm. So to see one that kind of spreads across systems and would fit nice into something like a Savage Worlds game or, um, you know, one, one of those role-playing games where the, the world is being created by uh, the, the GM versus by the um, pre-published yeah, material. Yeah. Um, just kind of flipping through it. There's also some really good art within that book. Mm-hmm. Um, the illustrator they got, you know, there's some, there's some really cool stuff. Um, the cover art was done by by one guy, uh, Darren Tan. It was the the cover artist, and then the interior artist is a guy which who was a funny name for an artist called Rumor, R U dash M O R M O R. But again, yeah. So again, and a lot of the books again the same. There, they have a lot of mix of the besides the text. They all have pretty good art uh, in them, stuff like that. And so I, again, I think it was interesting if you want to check out the line. Um, I think there's, I mean, like 40 books that they put out and all kinds of different things. Um, and the other book in the line that I own, which is the only one that's a little different, is the actually have a science fiction and fantasy kind of quiz book uh, that's out there that has, again, just kind of a lot of pop culture kind of things in, in the, as a quiz book that somebody, I think, had given me as a as a Christmas gift or something else like that that found it. So, And it, it seems like these, these types of things would... Uh, these types of books would help flesh out some of those storylines. Uh, you know, whether you're doing a role-playing game or whatever, um, just kind of adding some of that backstory, um, something to go off of, right? So, yeah, and, and why did I grab, out of all these, why did I grab Bug Hunts? Because of Space Hulk. Because right. I'm always looking, like, I'm looking for this as maybe there's some ideas for a different scenario or some different, you know, just that one or two lines, like, oh, hey, that's a different way, and maybe I can create a scenario Right. Space Hulk built around an idea that I stole out of the book, and that—that that was my whole idea. Why did I pick this one over the Elf Warrior or something else like that? So, absolutely. Um, well, I'll—I'll I'll start with the uh, the old play it or slay it here. Um, I don't have any more room on my shelf or in my brain <laughs> for RPG supplements. Um, yet I continue to buy them. This. Uh, had you cho- chosen Elf Warfare or Dwarf Warfare, I'd probably say play it. I might say slay it. I, I think it has its its place, certainly. 
Um, but I'm I'm kind of a dyed in the wool uh, Wizards of the Coast by by their yeah. stuff, or Savage Worlds. You know, make up yeah. your own stuff. Um, I think it might have its place, but I I don't know that it's necessarily uh, for me. But it's a good find. I didn't even know Osprey did that line. I know Frostgrave mm-hmm. and I know some of their board games. Um, so it's cool to to find out. I'm going to look more into some of the other ones. I think. But um, so yeah. so maybe it's a, a play it for the the line for the product right. line. Uh, but a, a slay it for bug hunts um, because I'll just watch Starship Troopers again. <laughs> um, Josh, how about you, man? Yeah. It, so yeah, bug hunt doesn't specifically speak to me. So yeah, I, I might say slay it for bug hunt specifically. But for the line, I it, like I could totally see um, looking into some of the other books for uh, you know a, a play it uh, for sure. It, it, trying to DM something or try to come up with some source material for things occasionally can be a little difficult and, and having a little bit um, ha- having a book like that to bounce idea or to pull ideas from um, I think is, is a really great resource. So yeah, for sure. Play it for, for the line. Cool. So I, I'm going to say, play it mostly because i have to justify my purchase <laughs> right but actually I'm, I'm happy i mean you think for the price uh it, it's it's exactly what i what i was looking for um and again like i said i think for the line there's something there um anything from cthulhu steampunk soldiers right so steampunk soldiers on the american frontier i, I think it's interesting like the range that they have these little books in so there's, there's some interesting things there so okay and one recommendation is starship troopers there's check out the animated movie. Yeah, from, yeah, I heard about this. That that it's it's actually it on Netflix. Um, I think I don't. Know, it's like I saw it. It's something I saw it on Ibudu. I think because okay that, uh, but I would recommend that in the uh, bug hunts universe kind of thing. So excellent. Um, well, thank you, Troy, for that find. That's that's awesome. Uh, speaking about finds and where you might see osprey publishing uh, as well would be back at adepticon they have announced the dates already march 22nd through the 25th of 2018 it's never too soon to start prepping it's less uh, than a year start away hobbying and getting ready to just roll some dice and uh you know take take names okay. of your opponents um we have nexus coming right around the corner may 26th through the 29th nexus game fair in downtown milwaukee at the hyatt I think that's yeah, Hyatt. Hyatt. Yep. yep. We'll double check that. Hyatt Regency. Uh, <laughs> I make sure I don't say Hilton instead of Hyatt. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Hilton. it's Hyatt. It's, it's, Hyatt. The, it's the Hyatt downtown. Uh, and of course, Gen Con, uh, 50th anniversary Gen Con coming up August 17th through the 20th. You can catch the guys from Playing and Slaying Show, The Basement of Death, and a number of other affiliates <laughs> <laughs> at, at Gen Con. Um, any other quick news or updates from you guys? Nope, I'm looks just, good. I'm just I'm waiting for <laughs> waiting for Adepticon next year. Yep. Yeah, you'll be sitting right here. Yep. Um, I'm waiting for Balloon Dwarves to drop in April. Yep. But uh, in the meantime, gentlemen, <laughs> let's keep the dice rolling, the drinks on ice, and no matter what, let's keep playing and slaying.
Well, this is good. This is all the. Uh, this is how we get the juices flowing. Yeah, I'm. I'm so ready to go. Do you do you flow with the juices? I'm like hard for heresy. Whoa. <laughs> uh, that's pretty aggressive, man. Yeah. That's yeah. what I do. <laughs> <laughs>